Hello everyone, welcome to episode 59 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. Howdy, partners. Uh, I'm walking here. I've just come back from America. That's why I'm coming out with all these Texan slangs, because I went to South Carolina, which is uh, not in Texas, and I was also in New York, which is also not in Texas. <laughs> it's a big country. How was I ever to know? Uh, Hearing I'm walking here in, yeah, a, in an I'm English accent. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Uh, yeah, it works very well, I think. Uh, thank you very much. Hey, uh, bada bing, bada bum, <laughs> or whatever they say. It's definitely boom. It's definitely not bada bum. Boom. I've had a week off. I've had a bloody lovely time. Um, Renfrey Deadman has been in the country keeping it nice and warm for me I'm just bit, keeping it warm like yeah. under my buttocks <laughs> yeah, just keep like making sure Brexit's going well Renfrey yeah I've been doing a very good well job done on that, that. well good. done me like Icarus yeah you never um, see me and Bojo in the same room at the same time just no saying. you don't because if you did oh, I'll tell you what <laughs> he'd be getting some woke political <laughs> sloganeering from Renfrey that's me. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Renfrey Deadman by the way I'm uh, not sure if you said that but that's okay you did yeah I, you, well I did you agreed okay mm. nice uh it's nice to be back yeah well i, I had mean, a nice I'm time not gonna <laughs> no, no but i'm saying it's nice i feel I, I feel relaxed i feel like i was um tell us a couple of your highlights struggling tell us uh, a couple of your well highlights. i'll tell you what i went to a vintage um t-shirt shop in america mm. and bought some bloody excellent band t-shirts which at some point on the youtube channel i wonder if we should show them off now uh, i've put them away and folded uh, them up now but they're, they're very really, good one of them is particularly is so American. We should do a competition. You're not okay. winning that, mate. You're no, not no, winning no, no, that no, no, t-shirt. No, 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 That's no. mine. No, no, no. There'll be no prize. Um, but um, for the next... Okay, in the next six weeks, mm-hmm. Steve is going to wear... That the t-shirt at some point mm-hmm. and you have i mean i haven't cleared this with you but no, it's that's happening. fine i want to <laughs> and uh people have to guess which t-shirt is from the vintage american place yeah, okay. by its that's sheer fine. vintage americanness yeah because it's this kind of t-shirt that you couldn't get anywhere yeah. outside of america I yeah yeah that t-shirt i definitely voted for trump didn't it <laughs> definitely, definitely a republican 100 vote for trump whoever yeah. gave that t-shirt away um anyway uh i went to see beetlejuice the musical on broadway yeah i, lo- I mean for those of you who um listen to our sister podcast life in the stocks with our good friend matt stocks you will know can um, we call it our sister podcast if he's well, just I, a mate i'm calling not. it that all right i just think it's funny and um not even funny just a <laughs> odd thing to do but uh yeah but i like and that's why i like it but um i love beetlejuice it's one of my absolutely one of my favorite films i re-watched it quite recently actually for some reason Mm. and yeah it's still i watched it on sunday uh, like after the scene it just happened to be on telly so as i was coming back i had a 12 hour stop a 12 hour stopover and actually this was one of the coolest things um because i went to south carolina and then flew into new york to get the connecting flight 12 hour stopover right now 12 hours 12 hours what did you do in that time well i'll tell you what i did in that time renfrey there is the twa hotel now i only recently watched the fucking excellent film the aviator um martin scorsese's aviator with leonardo dicaprio in possibly maybe controversial this might be but possibly the the best the definitively another DiCaprio performance holy i think crap, he's absolutely really? amazing in that it's a very film. good film as howard hughes and howard hughes obviously the founder of uh, the twa airline and mm-hmm. a bit of a loony to go with it just a bit um you could rent so we rented a room in the twa hotel you can rent it for the day right it had a, a it was where the old um terminal twa terminal terminal used to be they've got one of their old planes out on the runway that you can go in and they turn it into a bar 
So you go and sit in the cool. sit in the old seats and get served by like it's some, and the, they've kept it all kind of nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties um looking. They had a, a an issue of Life magazine from like nineteen sixty four in our hotel room. Cool. It was amazing. And they had like a a, a roof terrace with a pool on the terrace and it looked out over the other terminal so you could see the planes like taking off right in front of you. Wow. It was great. That sounds amazing. Pretty expensive. But it was really good. There weren't bottles of piss strewn all around the outside of the room, were there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were, but I kept uh, spelling... Um, what's the, the word that you spelled? It's been a while since I've seen it's it. It's been a while. It, well, it's not been a while. I've only seen it once. But it was easy. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, no, there weren't. Uh, That's a shame. But um, the only people who know about Howard Hughes will understand that. Yeah, I'm not going to explain that was, it. That was amazing. And um, but I watched Beetlejuice in the hotel room when I was sort of <laughs> trying not to fall asleep before my flight. It used to give me nightmares, Beetlejuice. It's quite I, a scary old film for I, an eight-year-old. Yeah, I, I, well, I was about to say I watched, I it watched it way. I mean, I think it was a 15 when it came out over here. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was like a 12 in the cinema or whatever. But no, it wasn't because Batman was Batman the first of the 12. Right. Yes, it was. Yes. Um, I know a bit about Batman. Oh, we do like a bit of chat about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that came up on my timeline the other day. <laughs> so good. Oh, long-term listeners will know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, yes, when they grow old at the end, when the couple grow old at the end. Yeah, that is um, you know, <laughs> That is what is actually happening to, to, to well, me right now. <laughs> that's happening to all of us right <laughs> yeah. now, just a lot slower. Yeah. I really got freaked out by that and... The guy who drinks the wrong grail at the end of um, Indiana Jones, the third one. And he grows old. He grows old really quickly. Yeah. And I just that whole growing old really quickly thing freaked me out. I like that. My favorite like dead guy is the guy in Robocop who who goes into the, you know, (laughs) 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 then gets hit. And then he gets (laughs) run over by a car. Oh, it's wonderful. like a bit of soup, doesn't he? Yeah. Brilliant. Anyway. Oh, 80s cinema. What a time. Um, Anyway, TWO is great. Beetlejuice musical um, was Was good. good? It was was good. I'll tell you what. What, was 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 it like rock and roll numbers? No, it no. was sort of. I mean, if one thing I would have possibly changed about it was tonally, it was very musical theatre. Yeah, which I, I thought, can't see that working with Beetlejuice. Mm, yeah, there were bits that worked, in the, and and also I I like the fact that they didn't stick too rigidly to the source material. In fact, they yeah. actually made a joke about the fact that they didn't from the like. So it's quite a different uh, story, but ultimately, all the bits from the film end up being in it. You yeah, I mean? yeah. Uh, the dude who played Beatles was really good. The girl who played Lydia Dietz was great, and um, and there was a t- there was suddenly a T-shirt which I thought was amazing in the, in the foyer, which said Lydia and uh, Adam and Barbara and uh, the dad Charles and uh, whatever the mums the the split mums called and Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. You, know, oh, you get those great. t-shirts that say John and Paul and Ringo. Oh, and great. So good. Um, yeah. Sorry, I sounded a bit like Joel Dominic then, didn't I? So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Joel. Joel. Come on, um, show. Yeah. He doesn't listen to this. No, he doesn't. No. Um, I listen to his podcast. Yeah. The shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he got married. Congratulations on your marriage, Joel. You're definitely Joel. not listening. We're, we're, um, we're mutual friends of Joel, by the yeah, way. Yeah, we're not case, just, just like, calling out like, celebrity. Hey, why the, why the fuck are they talking about? Joel hey, Dominic? Emma Willis, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you are listening to Vina McCall, um, bring back Street Mate. <laughs> Can we call this Bring Back Street Mate this week? Sure, yeah, already. Like, bring back Street um, Mate. 
Anyway, that's quite a long preamble. I went to New York. It was nice. Uh, I ate a lot. Uh, You'll be seeing me shrink as I'm going on a diet. We've just now. been talking. Fuck it, we can cut it. We've just been talking about portion sizes. Oh my! Oh Lord. my God! The portion sizes in America just, are just ridiculous. Do not need to be that big. Yeah. Would you like a basket of muffins? That's the smallest you can get. No, I wouldn't. I just want a no. muffin. Tough. You're in um, America. Land of the free. Yeah, land of the free <laughs> and home of the very, very indigestionized. <laughs> uh, go over to our friends at Musicism. Musicism.net are our good friends who help us out with all this lovely equipment that you can see here. Um, they will provide the best online tutorials for all of you, the budding musicians out there. Uh, as I said, Musicism.net, it's $9.99 a month. Get all the courses, unlimited amount of courses, every single course they possibly would provide you, you with you, you can't promise an unlimited amount of courses oh i can mm. <laughs> it's, it's american portion size uh, and um <laughs> are we, are we, mm, okay <laughs> see how dan feels about that dan unlimited courses uh, <laughs> you can't say an been, infinite amount of courses yes i can and okay. um you can also get 25 percent off uh, the unlimited never-ending, endless amount of courses uh, when you put the code RIOT in capitals into the checkout. Anyway, let's get on with the show. This week, we're going to be reviewing new records. What a big week this was. Bear in mind, the Corn album, which we really very much liked, yep. and the Microwave album, which we both very, very much liked as well, come out today this as, this, as well. this yes. podcast is released, yep. as well as the albums that we're going to be reviewing this week. Which Apart are... from one. Okay. Apart from Cult of Luna. All right, so Pixies, Colt Luna, Chelsea Wolf, and Mike Patton and Jean-Claude Vanier we will be reviewing this week. Colt Luna is out the week after, but those other three are out as well. And Trade Off, we'll be doing Hardcore from Texas, Millions of Dead Cops, versus... Mm. I don't know what that band is. <laughs> like Imperial Majesty. Blackened Hardcore Metal. Wow, we'll get to that for we'll sure. That's that. coming up later on. Um, go over to our Patreon page again. I'm sorry, I've been really busy and I've been on holiday, so we still haven't got a writer's review. Busy? Well, busy. <laughs> you've been away. I've been on holiday. <laughs> you've been, that's been you've busy. been on holiday, that's fine. Busy. I've been Pushing busy. Uh, and, um, but yeah, but we're going to start doing some writer's we'll reviews, so I'm not going to push that too much. Buy yeah. some merch. Merchandising, merchandising. Merchandising, merchandising. Can't do that two weeks running, can oh, we? Sorry. Shame yeah. that, isn't it? Spaceballs yeah. 2, when that comes out, oh. then we can do it. Um, mm. uh, congratulations to Tool. Um, we, we know we've been talking about Tool a lot, obviously, but it is a really big deal and we both love them. Congratulations to them. Number one in five countries. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we would talk about it with any other big metal band mm -hmm. and the fact that they've done it so... <laughs> you know, I mean, I said this in the review. I love the way that Tool just don't even bother looking at the status quo not the band they don't even bother looking at the zeitgeist yeah you know they just do what the fuck they want and manage to they go against everything that a record label would tell you to do mm. in this day and age yeah and still have number one in the number us one. number one in australia number one in germany number one in belgium number one in uh new zealand i think that one was right okay so number well, Norway, they're number one in Norway as well, so it might be six. Okay. Maybe they weren't number one. Maybe it was Australia and New Zealand that they were number one. I it was remember. number four in the UK. Number four well. in the UK. Which I think is pretty... And, and the other thing... Well, you we... think if they'd released an actual <clears throat> CD that you could get and afford, then... Well, but this is the thing, that like most 
people, most bands these days, I mean, I don't think it's a massive secret. There's all sorts of things that they do in order to put their um, albums up the rankings in terms of charts things. So have you ever had this thing where a big band, if you buy a ticket to their show, you'll also get a copy of the album for free, you Mm -hmm. know, as part of the ticket. And that's a cool thing. I'm not like shitting on that because that's pretty awesome if you don't already have it. But the main reason they do that is because it puts their chart position up as yeah. well. Really. That's really the main reason it's done. Um, and, you know, it's cool because you can then gift it to a friend or whatever. But, you know. Um, and Tall have done... And, you know, there's pre-order bundles and deluxe editions. And there's there'll be like eight coloured variants for vinyl and all this kind of collector's stuff. Tall haven't done any of that. They've done one physical release on a format which most people think is null and void. They've charged you a fucking They've arm and a leg for it. An arm and a fucking leg for it, <laughs> and they're still number one. Yeah, I, I I'm love interested. that band. I'm, I've got to say, I mean, we should put Ramstein and um, uh, and Bring Me the Horizon and Slipknot in with this. It's been a good year for kind of bigger bands delivering, like on you know sort of en masse if you like i think the success of the tool album is great it's probably the main one slipknot having a number one in the uk is brilliant ramstein obviously went in i think number four as well they went in pretty high mm-hmm. um and bring me the rise and got a number one album as well so you know that, that's good for like rock music i wonder what i mean i'm, I'm most intrigued about what the tool getting to number one will do for that style of music i mean i like to say towards the kind of younger bands I, I'm, I'm thinking you know what will a tool number one do for black peaks i'd like to think something good you know be interesting when mastodon bring a new album out or when gojira or when deftones bring a new album out if there's any kind of trickle down effect because obviously tool are definitely the biggest cult band of all of those but probably the biggest cult band in the world i mean let's Mm. be honest like like you just said they've done all these things and they've got a number one album in the u.s they've not taylor swift at the top of the charts you know lana del rey released who is yeah. unbelievably hugely hyped yeah um, and her album got in at number three didn't it yeah you know. so it's that that's an insane achievement um for a band like tool i mean we'll be talking about cult of luna later and it's you're in it, it's i would like to think that maybe all of those people or the, you know the new people that have been opened up to tool from that there might be a bit of a trickle down effect for you know i mean i mentioned cult of luna and mastodon and deftones and gojira but i'm really you know would would be great to see you know like i mentioned black peaks if this inspires bands to do things in a different way and really really go no i'm going to be super single-minded about this in the same way as slipknot and tool and ramstein and less bring me the horizon but you know even for a point bring me the horizon were doing whatever they wanted to change in a hell of a lot um and it just goes to show that that is a good model for success i think let's yeah i i i I agree and i hope that i hope what you're saying comes to fruition certainly in terms of bands or maybe in a lot of cases maybe labels being willing to take more risks i think Mm. because quite a lot of the time i do get this sense that the bands are quite happy to take the risks it's 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 there'll be someone else outside of it putting pressure on them to not do that Mm. but yeah well done to tool and also continuing a great news week for music um you're out you're gonna go to this aren't you green day fallout boy weezer interrupters are touring well, early gonna, night tour you say i'm gonna go to it i really want to go yeah, to it you want to go to it well i want to go to it and 
Have a get. little nap during Fallout Boy. <laughs> I want to go do it and get drunk and revel in um, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You might not get the chance to do that, unfortunately, with Green Day, because they'll be playing a load of songs from their wow. bloody awful last twenty-year period. I, I don't know. I mean, I Green Day are pretty like even when I saw them when they just released Uno Dos and Trez, hmm. uh, Uno Dos Trey, they'd released all three of them. And I went to Brixton Academy to see them. I was like, oh, God, there's going to be loads of stuff from that. You know, they've just released three albums mm. worth of material. It's all going to be that, isn't it? I think they played like six songs from all three of them or something like that. That's and quite, that feels like quite a lot to have to undo. Mm, but Green Day tend to play sort of 28 song sets. Yeah. So and I bet you got a load of stuff from American Idiot. Which no one needs, and probably some I stuff love from American Twi- Idiot. Do you? I think it's I think it's the last great Green Day album. Yeah, How I love it. Dare you slag off anything <laughs> like American Idiot? All right, fine. American um, Idiot is a brilliant record. It's not. It's a brilliant record. No, no, no. It's really it good. It can't be. Okay. It can't be good. <laughs> it can't be good. It can't be. There we li- go. My ears are. <laughs> Lying to me. Green Day's... Uh, the Green Day's... Um, no, I think American Idiot. I mean, American Idiot is probably my... Your favourite Green Day album? No, 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 no. I was going to say it's probably my top three. Just in terms of ambition and what it did, and it opened up... I think it opened up the doors for some of those bands to go, oh, we can do more than just play three chords over and over and over again. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and that's why we've got Fallout Boy dancing <laughs> with bloody... Kim Kardashian. Some Cheers. bands took it in, in my opinion, I'm not even going to say the wrong direction, but but Pretty a, 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 scummy direction. A scummy direction. Yeah. But some bands, I think, you know, I'm trying to think of something. So yeah, name one band. <laughs> name one post-American idiot band who did something good. good uh, that is similar of similar like. I I wa- I wonder. I'll give you three cheers for sweet revenge. I feel like this is. Romance. I feel like this is going to be another tangent where you get angry, and I don't want to make you angry after you relaxed right. after your lovely holiday. Mm-hmm. But I think there's an argument to be said that this resurgence in we've got a lot of amazing modern emo happening at the moment. You can't have that. And I think those bands. Would I think American Idiot would have been one of the albums that they would have grown up on and seeing it as something that on the surface is quite simple music, but there's no reason why you can't elongate it and make it into these far more interesting song structures than just verse, chorus, verse or whatever. And I see, I am not saying, in fact, no, fuck it. I am saying it's a direct influence because I think if you, American Idiot is 15 years old this year. And I think those bands would have, I think that would have been a pivotal album for those bands growing up. And whilst the influence might not be direct, like you wouldn't listen to a modern baseball or a tiny moving parts or, uh, or whatever and go, Oh, well that's a direct rip off of green day. But I reckon it's probably in the DNA because that's an interesting point to make Renfrey. Thank you. Doesn't make that album any good. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, I want to write a feature about that now. Yeah, it's quite a good, a good idea. It's a good, good idea. Um, <laughs> you won't be reading it. I'll read it. <laughs> I'll re- oh no, I'd read that. I'm, you, you might, you might well be right. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people. Who I'm sure going, there's something in that. 
Yeah, probably. Anyway, they're doing a tour together. That's big. <laughs> that's a that's a really really that's a massive tour it's for a fucking people. Stadium tour. People who who hate music you know, <laughs> have a great time. Um, <laughs> but if you if 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 imagine if Green Day like did Insomniac in full. Well, they're not going to do that, are they? They won't play anything from Insomniac. It's I mean, I went, when I saw my party last at, year at that Brixton Academy show, I didn't think they played Dookie in live. Uh, Dookie in live. Dookie in full, but they did. Yeah, but that's Dookie's massive. Yes. Dookie's like the, that and American Idiot are the two big ones. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Green Day to do something ultra cool like that. Not necessarily at this date. I'm necessarily, but like, I'm sure one day they'll just go like Pearl Jam have done it quite a lot. Metallica have done it quite a lot. They'll just start playing the first song of a, off, you know, one of their less popular albums then the second and the third. And then people realize, holy shit, they're actually playing the whole album, you know? Mm. And I think once you get to a certain um, vintage, that kind of thing is kind of fun for bands to do. Cause it's like, Oh, it's just a bit different. Okay, but Green Day are not going to rock up at fucking the John Smith Stadium in Huddersfield where they're playing with the Interrupters, Weezer and Fallout Boy in tow, playing to a stadium for all the Olympic Stadium. Somniac and doing, doing one thousand thirty nine smooth that's lucky hours. Um, no, I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not. It's like pretty. Iron Maiden coming on and just playing Killers live <laughs> in full. I, I will say it's pretty fucking unlikely at those dates, but I wouldn't put it past Green Day mm. ever doing it. You imagine going to see Iron Maiden at like Wembley Stadium and then just going, we're going to play Virtual Eleven in full. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone going, oh God, ah, I think I'd be sick. Yeah, okay. Just wouldn't happen. Um, anyway, uh, we should also, we didn't mention this last week because it came out a little bit later than we, um, when, after we recorded because I was away, but... The nominations for the Mercury Music Prize came out and it's quite interesting, Renfrew. I might actually be going to the music, uh, the Mercury Prize next week. Because you're so nominated. I'll report, I should be nominated. <laughs> I think everyone else is. Um, so everyone else who no one's heard of has been uh, nominated. So um, we should talk about the nominees. Anna Calvi, Hunter, Black Midi, Schlagenheim, Kate LeBon, Reward, Psychodrama by Dave, Everything Not Saved Will Be Lost Part 1 by Foles, which is unusual to see the Part 1 being nominated when Part 2 will be coming hot on its heel. So that might be something. Um, Dog Row by Fontaine's DC. Joy is an Act of Resistance by Idols. Grey Area by Little Sims. Satin by Nao. Ensemble, uh, Seed Ensemble, Drift Glass. And Slow Tie, Nothing Great About Britain. Oh, sorry. And uh, probably the biggest one. Um, a Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships by the 1975. Now, there's only been a few there that we've covered. So we should probably shout out. Um, uh, we didn't actually cover Foles, but we will definitely be covering the next record. Mm-hmm. That was a massive oversight on our part. Um, there was a lot out at the time. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Um, Fontaine's DC, a kind of Irishy punk keep hearing their name coming uh, yeah, up i listened to that album the other day actually and it's pretty good yeah i wouldn't say it's as good as the idols record which i'm delighted to see get a nomination mm-hmm. um we obviously spoke at length when we reviewed the 1975 record you can go back and find that if you didn't hear it um i hope that doesn't win i think it will but i hope it doesn't uh, well I, there's not much of a precedent for the biggest album winning the mercury prize Black Star didn't win. Um, OK Computer. Did OK Computer didn't win? I don't no, think OK Computer won. I just There's, think the things that have been said about that record, it just it just smacks the mercury. That, don't think that matters. Nah. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think that matters. I mean, I don't care, really. 
<laughs> I, don't I, really I mean, care. I have to say, I would love Idols to win. I would really like, I listen back to that. It's been a little while since I listened to that record. I listened to it again the other day after this, um, after this came out. It's, it's so brilliant, that record. Mm. It's fucking brilliant. So I would absolutely love Idols to win. They'd be the band that I'd want to, want to pick. But it's my favorite from the albums that are listed there that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Midi is an odd one. See, we've not spoken about this band, but the hype surrounding them is deafening. Renfrey. Yes. They've been called the best new band in London about a year ago and then stretched to Britain. Um, they've got broadsheet journalists all over them saying, oh my God, they're unclassifiable. What is this? I listen to it and they sound like the sort of band that we cover on this show quite, quite a lot. lot. Hmm. So not really unclassifiable at all. I think, so I had a listen to this. Well, I mean, you say, you say the hype has been deafening. Um, I hadn't heard of them before this week, but um, it's kind of one of those things that once you have heard of them, it's difficult to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's targeted advertising. I don't know. Typing, well, I mean, you know, quite possibly. But um, they are a sort of um, indie post-hardcore hybrid. Would you say? Yeah, I think there's elements of post-rock and noise rock and um you know the sort of thing that we cover a fair bit yeah it certainly feels like they've listened to wire and gang of four and the mars volta fugazi and fugazi mm-hmm. and trailer dead yep and mccluskey yep and stuff like that yeah but i've never heard any of those bands that i've just mentioned particularly you know the, the british ones that i mentioned well obviously if we go back to wire and gang of four those bands there was no mercury prize when that was so that's why they didn't mm. get nominated but you know you, you wouldn't have foreseen a world where mccluskey or um and so i watch you from afar mm. or three trap tigers were nominated for a mercury prize no and yet here we are with a band who on their debut record mm. And they've only been together for two years. Yeah, they literally formed two years ago. Have got a Mercury nomination for an album that's only been out, what, a month, six weeks? Um, it's about a month, yeah. Um, it's a it's an odd one. Um, you you mentioned before we started recording that they all attended the Brit School, and Brit School's quite infamous, well, infamous, well, famous, for having... Uh, Adele went there. Adele, um, Ed, I believe Ed Sheeran went there as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Arctic Monkeys, I think, went there. Mm. Um one of the sugar babes went there. Right. But it's certainly, you know, that's the thing. It's still unusual and weird because that's the kind of musician. Shouldn't have <clears throat> done that in air quotes. Uh, that that the Brit School produces. Mm. You uh, Traditionally. Mm. Um, it's not... Um, I mean, lots of sort of West End performers and actors yeah. and those sort of people have come out of the Brit School. Yeah. It's not really the sort of place where you would expect anything... So I should say in, in terms of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I I, think the one thing that I noticed with Black Midi listening to the record is like there isn't, there aren't barely any moments of like screamed vocal. And I still think that this is, whether, you know, whether we like it or not, I think this is the main issue for yep. music, that kind of music becoming mainstream. People, mm-hmm. I think... 
the moment you get a screened vocal in there, there are exceptions. Black Peaks, hello, Architects. But the moment you put a screen vocal in there, it just turns off such a massive part of the population. Um, so it's kind of interesting sort of hearing this wiry, angular band who sound like they're about to explode at any moment but the vocalist isn't kind of matching that or and i, I don't I, I think if people hadn't heard this kind of music before they wouldn't even pick up on that mm. but but i mean to what be, i hear I, I want i want the vocals to match the band yeah performance, I, so. I can hear that they're obviously been influenced by kind of early like new york music as well oh, so i would say yeah. you know like there's definitely television and talking heads and the kind of weirder bits of what those guys do and there's no screaming in you know i've mentioned wire and gang of four already as well there's no screaming in those bands the fall no. i mean uh, you know the, uh, marky smith gets pretty intense but the yeah. fall aren't a band with you know that typically sort of scream vocals but that i guess is what sort of like say is what sets them apart from i mean i, I assume that they would be the sort of thing that they would play Arctangent or, you know, ATP. That that kind of thing is exactly Black where... I, yeah, it's exactly the sort of thing where I would imagine them to go. But yet, I'm not sure that they're even going to bother going there. Which is weird that a band... I yeah. guess it's. I guess what I, what I think is... I don't want to be cynical about it because I think it's a pretty good record. Like, I think it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty good record. I don't think it's an amazing record. But I think it's a, you know... I would listen to that. I've only heard it once, so I'm yeah, not going to... I've, I've listened to it a couple of times. I think it's quite good. Mm. Like, I think it's pretty good. Oh, you know, not enough for me to be like, oh my God, they're the greatest band no. around. But it's good I, 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 for a debut record as well, for a band that have been going for two years. Yeah. Like, it certainly shows a hell of a lot of promise. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, mean, I you know, this is not a review. I, I wouldn't review no. something after hearing it once. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it kept reminding me of other bands that I already knew who I felt like I would have rather have been listening to at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. And it, but, it's, but, like, it's like the fight you know, style they, of post-hardcore. Yeah, they they are, uh, they are the, the sort of the sum of their influences at the moment, I think. Yeah, and that's which, cool. To, to be honest with you, for a band who formed two years ago is actually perfectly and The drummer's that's amazing. fair enough. Drummer's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. drummer's amazing. And drummer's I actually brilliant. like that kind of... Uh, I mean, you, you know, like you can go. Well, they're obviously listening to Joy Division. They obviously mm. listen to The Fall. They obviously listen to Wire and Gang and all those bands I've already mentioned from that kind mm. of early post-punk era. But they're doing something which is much more influenced by Sonic Youth or do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? More noise and sort of weird time signature bands. They are super young as well, and they're really young. Yeah, two and of them. Two of them are teenagers. And I think. Moment it would be easy to be cynical about it. And I'm trying not to be cynical about it because I want to take all that into account. It's not their fault that they've been nominated no. for a Mercury Prize. It's not their fault that they met where they met and they went to this place where they met. But I think it's quite indicative of the music industry that Guardian, Telegraph, Six Music, Pitchfork, all of those places have picked up on them. The enemy have picked up on them and gone, oh, you've never heard anything like this mm -hmm. before. And... I did you just go, why, why then? You want stuff. The, the thing is, ultimately, I want people to be exposed to this type of thing. Yeah, sure. I uh, it's yeah. just, or, you know, it's just you sort of go, we've waited so long <laughs> for something yeah. like this to get nominated. Yeah. yeah. And then when it does. And I suppose it just naturally leads to the why them question, mm. which is always 
immensely complicated. Mm. Um, but it was something that was constantly circling my head as I was listening to it. And the only thing I can think of is the vocals for the most part are pretty clean. Mm. There you go. Anyway, um, that's Mercury. I'll report back in a couple of weeks after I've been there. Idols for the win, innit? It'd be great if they won. Would be really great, I mean, yeah. They're I, playing I, at the awards I really well. do not give a toss about the Mercury's, but, you know, cool. Mm. <laughs> like, good. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, here's the last bit of something that I want to talk to you about, actually. Vinyl sales have e- eclipsed CD sales in gross. And now this is actually quite misleading. For the first time in 1986, that's not true. That's what the headline says. That's not actually true. CDs no. still actually sell more copies um, and have made 247.9 million in the first six months of this year, whereas vinyl made 224.1 million. But the increase in vinyl is 12.9% up from the year previously. And if it continues at that rate, come the end of the year, vinyl will outsell CD, which is stagnated, is actually stopped dead. Um, Also, but I wonder how much the Tool album will affect that. uh, Not a lot. One album isn't going to make a difference. Yeah, but it's sold something like quarter of a million physical copies worldwide. Yeah, but when you're looking at like, you know... um, I I think in this day and age, a quarter of a million is fucking insane. It's not quite a lot. It's insane. I mean, I know we're used to talking about records, like 16 million sales, blah, 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 blah. But that's because that was the past. I know. Quarter of a million is fucking mind blowing. Especially that price. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also uh, digital downloads have been eclipsed by physical purchases for the first time. That's a combination of vinyl and CD and tape, I guess, as well. Um, I think that's more interesting. Yeah. Eclipsed by physical for the first time since 2011. Um, What website? So are you reading that from um various websites oh, okay, it was okay. reported by various people i was gonna say i would like i would have had that as the headline yeah that's cool i mean obviously streaming Just doing my editorial thing streaming there. still accounts for 62 percent of the music industry's income so yeah. still God. some way to go that's and i depressing. believe vinyl was like two percent uh, it'll be tiny yeah, yeah it'll be minuscule which is a bit of a bummer but that's really good that's that's quite heartening and as a vinyl uh, kind of as you see, my vinyl collection is getting bigger um, while my CD collection is getting smaller. I'm going to send people those CDs because I'm moving a load of stuff out. Don't Can I have some? That. Yeah, sure. I've got, I mean, yeah. I'd I love to it. keep it. Basically, it's in my mum's house and everything's got to get out of my mum's house. So, hey, just to remind you what a painful year we've both had. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, yeah. And uh, so I've basically got to get rid of all those CDs. They've got to go. I, I, so if you want any, give us a shout and I'll fucking sort you I'll out. I'll take them. I've got, okay. I've got. That was for, for people listening. More I, than you, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I can't. I mean, it'd be easier to give them to me. You see me every week. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think I. I mean, I've stopped counting how many CDs I own, but it's well over three thousand. Hmm. Um, and mine's rapidly gone down, but it was like a lot like that. I mean, yeah. I brought. You can go and have a little look through. I brought some home that you can't have, but um, <laughs> I brought like. I brought about 600 home with me and it's not even vaguely close mm. to, to like, the, it's a drop in the fucking ocean yeah. and stuff that's left over. Uh, but, you know, um, that'll be vinyl one day, won't it? That'll be throwing away into the sea. I, oh, who knows? I who know. knows? It'll probably all be implanted in our brain. Yeah. I mean, we're getting really close to that. We're getting really close. I think in our lifetime people will be having like chips yeah. 
in in their brain which just like streams music and like has all their phone contacts and like let's hope so (laughs) i mean i know it's probably fine but i don't know i gotta be careful with the amount of vinyl i buy because i don't want to end up with a similar situation to what i got with these cds so i need to fucking cut back on it it's a tricky one vinyl let's go on the old uh patreon page help me out with my i can buy a bigger house where i can keep my music (laughs) um yeah, you I mean, see, I... if you're watching on YouTube, you can see behind the camera there is just a wall, and that is it, really. I, I mean, like... I'm genuinely poor. If you would like to give to our, oh yeah, page. yeah, for <laughs> <laughs> we hope we're splitting it. We're, in... <laughs> we're splitting it anyway. Yeah, we're doing the it's old, only fair. Old, the old school way of doing it, 1910 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, barter in it. Do it for barter. <laughs> so send me, send Remy some Mars bars and me a check. Uh, anyway, okay, yeah. Um, let's do some reviews so we can get this shit done. Uh, the first time, the first time, the first album we're going to review this week comes from the Pixies. Beneath the Irie, the seventh album from the Kings of Alternative Rock. One of the most influential bands in the world that we inhabit, Remfrey. I think we should, um, I think we should underline this point and highlight it actually, because there's, um, probably a lot of people listening who don't, Re- may not realize the impact that the pixies had mm-hmm. um there was a brilliant pixies documentary i believe it's just called pixies it's certainly on um there's something called dvds they did a dvd release which was called just called pixies and it's on there it's an hour long i think it was shown on channel four and when was the, this oh i'm guessing late 90s early 2000s right i've got a copy i can oh good it lend it to you. have you always seen because it's not to butt in on Pixies documentaries, but Loud's Quiet Loud, mm, the comeback documentary. Fantastic. What a yeah. fucking film yeah. that is. That is great. Pixies have a few great documentaries yeah, made about them, actually. they're a very interesting group of people. They're very interesting. They're a very, I mean, very, very interesting. A pretty unique band <laughs> yeah. in, in I, I would actually say musically, but also as in, people. As people. Mm. Pretty unique band. Um but yes, the people, the talking heads on this Pixies documentary. I mean, it's like Tom York. Um, I think it's members of Elbow. Um, Tim Wheeler from Ash comes mm. up. You know, it, it the all the big ones. Infl- <laughs> <laughs> the, the, that, that went so quickly downhill. Oh, I fuck that. No, I love Ash. David I, Bowie. I really love Ash. David Bowie's on there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Louise Wenner from Sleeper. <laughs> it's basically Paul McCartney. <laughs> Paul McCartney, the ghost of Mark Bolan, and the bassist in the Blue Tones. <laughs> so, the dream team. So, Pixies have influenced a wide range of artists, both brilliant and terrible. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't think they're. What was it? What was it about Pixies? Do you think that was so influential? Um, I think it was. Uh, they are one of the most brilliantly melodic bands whilst being one of the most caustic bands mm, in nice. the history of rock music. And I think not, not many bands have ever managed to straddle the line between, I mean, basically, you know, the, the, the obvious Nirvana comparison is obvious mm-hmm. because it is obvious and because it is true. Yep. Um, and the Pixies... So Kirk Cobain quite, quite, um, was quite vocal about stealing the loud, quiet, loud dynamic, dynamic from the, Pixies. Yeah. Uh, and they're probably not the first band to do that. They're almost certainly not the first band to do that. There are many journalists who will say that Pixies were 
the first bounce to do that. Like, I think loudly. it's because they were the quietest and the loudest. Yeah, I mean, whether it's true or not, I have to admit, when I first heard that years ago, actually, I racked my brains for what felt like days, trying to be like, there must be another band before 1987. There are a few. Like That's a kind of a thing. Mm. If you listen to, oh, you know, XTC... Who never got, but who never got that loud? But they could mm. get very quiet. Mm. Um, I even think stuff like Big Black. I mean, Big Black is kind of it feels constantly loud, but it's kind of a low hum and then a then rage. But I think it's I mean? it's but Pixies. Like I'm saying, like my my point. Sorry to continue. Oh. Is that no one had been that quiet and no one had been that loud? I think it's very specifically um, quiet verse, loud chorus, but also specifically the switch between the quiet verse and then the sudden loud chorus if you think of smells like teen spirit for example mm, yeah um so they are the sort of the masters at doing that frank black is just a lunatic a lunatic and the you know again it's all about personality i think you know there will be people listening who are like deal or no deal when it comes to the pixies you know yeah without kim deal this is not the pixies and i get it because you know it seems it still seems, even listening to them three albums after she's left, this is the third, this is, you know, we spoke about, I think Interpol was the first time we went, when you come back, yes, 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 yes. and obviously the Pixies return in the mid noughties, it was like the second coming of Christ, you know, it was like, oh my God, they're back. And they were never that big when they were around first time. No. Um, never well, to big. put it into perspective, um, Redding. the last date they did in London, as far as I'm aware, was one date at, Brix- at Brixton Academy on Trompe Le Monde, which yep. I don't think even sold out. Mm-hmm. And then when they returned in sold 2004, they sold out five nights in a row. Yeah. Um, in record time, they actually broke a couple of records. I'm not sure what the records were, but they, they were record breaking in, yep. in that. And the headline um, Reading. Yeah, and in fact, another side note, although I do think it's important for context, Pixies, if you are unaware, are basically the band who are responsible for all your favourite bands reforming, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, Pixies were the this whole reforming culture that we've had for the last 10, 15 years and have kind of just about got out of, probably. Yeah, they um, reformed, haven't they? Yeah, because, because everyone's done it now. Mm. Pixies did it. And um, it happened at exactly the right time when um, pirating and downloading was becoming a thing and the industry was losing money that way. And they were like, we need something else to make make up the numbers. And Pixie's 2004 run was so massive. Like everyone just went, we need we just need bands to reform and then we'll charge six times what we did back in the day. Mm. Moolah. Mm. um so you know and i'm not saying that's a good or bad thing it's um, a thing it's a thing it's definitely a thing and i'm not saying and before it, that it was just kiss yeah well yeah, yeah pretty much only bandy reformed and, and and even if you do think it's a bad thing i'm also not saying that it's pixie you know pixies were the band who did that but it's like nirvana you know it's not nirvana's fault that there was loads of shit nirvana copyists you know? yeah um but anyway they're back it took them 10 years between Reformation and releasing an album, which wasn't even really strictly an album, which was indie CD. Yeah, which which was almost double the length that they'd been together in the first place. Yeah. And then in 2016, Head Carrier came along. And now we have this. uh, Beneath the 
Irie. Mm. Irie. Uh, but actually, it, it goes to show, like, considering, like, it took them so long to get an album out, pretty prolific. Three albums in five years now? Since, yeah, since they have been releasing records, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they were really prolific back in the day. I think it was Come On Pilgrim 86, mm. Surfer Rosa 87, Do Little... 89. Was that 89? Yeah. And then Trump Lamont 91. I think actually it? Surfer oh, Rosa was 88. Bossa Nova was 1990 as well. Yeah. So yeah, fucking hell. Like, yeah, they did basically like five records in five years or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they are back. Um, this album was recorded in a converted church in the woods of upstate New York. Um, and reading the interviews in the run up to it, as I am quite a big, I don't often do that, but as I am a pretty big fan of the Pixies, I, I did want to look into it. Because I've been excited about an idea, you know, new pick. Always get excited about it. Yeah, 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 Like, still, I mean, I think this is what I was going to say. We had that thing to, you know, you reform, you do an album, you reform, you do the gigs and you play the hits. And everyone goes, yeah. And then after a while, you got to do an album. And mm. everyone goes, oh, a new album. And then they go, yeah, you know, it's not quite as good. And then you do the next album. And when we mentioned with Interpol, it's like, that's a tricky situation. Pixies came through that with Head Carrier. Which I think, uh, yeah, record. I think Head Carriers. Personally, I think Head Carriers is one of the best albums Pixies have ever released. It's very it's good, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I love it. Um, and uh, now we have, I guess, kind of again, uh, pioneers, aren't they? Because you don't often get a third album from a band who have reformed. It's quite rare. It's fairly rare. Yeah, I would say quite rare. Um, as I said, recorded in the woods of upstate New York. There's been a lot of talk regarding the vibe of this record talking mm. about an American Gothic aesthetic celebrating the ghosts of their country's past. Um, talking about bringing in characters and narrative, like their kind of earlier work. Um, yeah, it's by far their gothiest record. And I would have never used the word goth in association with Pixies mm. before this album came out, but there's a dark dance macabre, carnival-esque vibe to the whole thing mm. and it's very recognized like the album is very recognizably pixies throughout because they have a very recognizable thing which is all the elements which we've just been talking about uh, and yet it's different i mean it's quite rare let alone having you know this being the third comeback album quote unquote it's rare for it to be something that they've never really done before and yet still recognizably them i mean that's what great bands do isn't it well we talked a couple of weeks ago sorry to bring the tall album up again uh -oh. but about growing old gracefully yes and we've spoken about it quite a lot we spoke about it with corn about how you adapt and you grow and you change yeah. we talked about it with tall you know deftones deftones like um well and slipknot as well when we were doing yep. a slipknot album. we've talked about it a lot with these bands of you know all bands that are younger than mm -hmm. the pixies as well mm -hmm. Um, uh, but this is certainly a record which, you know, when you talk about the quiet, loud dynamics of Pixies and that being the thing they're most famous for, I mean, ultimately, like, they, they, it's not like that's all they do. Here's no. a quiet verse and here's a loud bit, here's a quiet verse, here's a loud chorus, and that's it. They, they do a hell of a lot more a than lot that more as than a band. That, yeah. But certainly, this does feel like a record where the heavier parts are. Ne you know it's it's never as heavy as 
the Pixies at their most abrasive from back in the day, or even from five years ago on Indie Cindy. I never think you never you know there's a ne- there's, there's nothing like Blue Eyed Hex uh, on this record. No. There's nothing that is a screaming rager. And what we've got instead is, like you said, a kind of a more measured, gothic, uh, darker, more sinister creepier records and it doesn't yeah. and it, and although as again as you mentioned all of the elements that make the pixies the pixies are here on this record there's something incredibly different about this record that means that even though it does sound like them it doesn't sound like anything they've ever done before i completely agree and i think that's i think that's excellent mm. like to be able to do that uh oh god well pixies are almost as old as me so 30 three years into your career or whatever is astonishing like i think that's amazing and it was really it's really i've had a weird experience with this record because the first time i listened to it um i just had that weird kind of oh it's pixies but different and i I, I was just the first time i was like oh i'm just taking it in then the second time i heard it i I absolutely hated it um yeah because i felt like um I don't think I was in the right mood for it. And I also felt like Pixies, it was Pixies gone panic at the disco, Um, (laughs) which, which looking at it, uh, that that's a very, very shallow way to look at it. I mean, it was only my second listen to be fair. And I was in a mood for whatever reason, but then the, then the more I've listened to it, the more I've realized actually it's more Pixies doing flaming lips than it is Pixies doing panic at the disco. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, the stuff that I've looked at that I've written down, uh, like, haven't written down Flaming Lips, but then I have written... Um, it. More in terms of concept than in terms of uh, sound. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, there, there's, I say. you know, this is full of characters and yeah. full of, you know, kind of narrative, if yeah. you like. And Catfish very, Kate. very... Yeah, oh, yeah, cat, I mean, I love Catfish Kate. Yeah, brilliant. Catfish Kate is... It, that's exactly what I was talking about, about the fact that it is... It's a wickedly catchy, melancholic chorus. And Frank Black does that fucking brilliantly. Um, It never gets out of mid-pace, never really gets out of third gear, but it's just so catchy. And it's so, again, creepy. It's creepy and it's lurchy. The song or the album never gets out of third gear. That particular song, it just kind of lurches along and it's great and yeah. i mean there's a song in it called this is my fate which really mm. reminds me of alabama song by the doors yeah there's like some, there's some great i'd almost say borderline comedy percussion moments from it, dave uh is it's, it's dave lovering isn't yeah it? mad uh, dave lovering oh he's brilliant he's a magician by the way uh, literal musician he's literally a magician yeah, yeah. um but uh, so when pixies disbanded he became a magician legend <laughs> uh anyway um yeah, there's some fantastic almost kind of uh, just everything stops and then he does this weird little percussion bit and it mm. makes me laugh every time. I love mm. it. It's, That's a great song. It's fucking great. And like I say, I mean, The Doors are not normally a band that you would associate with the Pixies. Yeah. But yeah, that has got this kind of absolutely Western, right. swaggery Western... You know, they've done that sort of spaghetti western ding 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 ding, ding feel yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, but, but never in, in the way that it sort of like absolutely like glides along. It's the fucking doors. great. The Doors is such a good shout. Yeah. That is such a good shout. That mm. had not occurred to me 
on the half dozen listens I've given it, but that is a really um, particularly good that song. If you like, if you if you listen, if you AB Alabama song, and this is my fate. Mm. Like, I'm not saying it's a rip-off, but they are very, very stylistically and thematically that. similar. Yeah. Very, yeah. very similar. I think um, Silver Bullet is a wicked song. Mm. Um, I mean, apparently it's a leftover from Head Carrier. I'm, not, re- I'm not really sure why, because it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's it, And Joey has this instantly... I mean, Joey Santiago's lead guitar is instantly recognisable. He bends a lot of notes and oh, makes them dissonant i'm not going to go into the yeah wherewithals of it but um he has a very recognizable lead guitar style and he's all over that song especially the the chorus which is basically an instrumental chorus um i really love daniel boone daniel oh, boone mate. quality song it's just um there's this um there's just this line in it something like the way that he smiles at you daniel boone and it really it just I don't know it just makes me blub it's lovely it's mm. a really good song it's you know for, i i mean talking about first impressions when we were hearing it and you said you hated it the first time you listened to it i almost just went because you know i, I love the pixies and i love everything they do mm. but i mean obviously i guess like most people when you don't listen to them loads mm. all the time like it's been i probably you know, i listen to them quite a bit mm. but and I, I'm familiar with, you know, their material enough to feel like, you know, they'd be one of those bands like, well, like, like how often do I listen to Placebo? I still yeah. know I love that record. Yeah, yeah. But like, how often do I listen to it? Not loads. Um, so in your, in your, in my head now, I have an idea of what I think Placebo sound like. And my idea in my head of what the Pixies sound like is, you know, exactly what we said. It smells like Teen Spirit. And I know obviously didn't write no, Smell yeah. Like Teen Spirit, but yeah. that's what it is. So when I put it on, I was like, okay, Oh, they're starting with a slow. I mean, the first song, "The Arms of um, uh, the Arms of Mrs. Mark of Cain." Yes, it's called. It's really mid-paced. Yeah. Again, it's really sweeping. It's lush. It's got a kind of very subtle orchestral backdrop. Mm. It just sort of glides along. And on first listen, you go, "Okay, so what is this? An intro track? Mm. Like, mm. I'm not. Is this how you're choosing to start your record? Mm. That's a bold mm. statement." I was yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. I was like, "Okay, fair enough." But then when the rest of the album. I expected to kind of kick into another gear then, and it never really did. So at first I was like, it's a bit boring, this record, isn't mm. it? It's kind of boring. But then I guess the preconceived idea of what the Pixies were to me mm. was holding me back from just enjoying this for what it is. Um, yeah. And I think that might happen with a few people. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think I I can understand why some people would view what you're saying there as a criticism, but I think mm. in this I think for this record, what, and maybe that's how I felt a little bit about it when I first heard it as well. But I think once you realise, like, they're not even trying to do that. It's no, not, not it's a criticism. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it, it yeah. might be in other contexts. It might That could be a criticism for other albums and other bands and stuff mm. like that. But in this context, I think it works really well. It's almost like a Tim Burton-esque when he was good. Uh, yeah. Carnival, well, I'd say Carnival, but, you know, that, that, that weird... It's always uh, there used to be a, a museum in in New York called the Freakatorium, and it was just full of like like that merman thing, which like was the, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> Ripley's yeah. Believe It or Not. That's there we go. There's a more mainstream version of that. Um, it, this is like Pixies on tour through Ripley's Believe It or Not, isn't it? Like in its weird Pixies doing the Shape of Water, <laughs> except with less fish fucking. Yeah. Um, Spoiler um, <laughs> for both film and album. Oh god, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. Shit, um, 
Yeah, no, I, I, but like I said, the first time I listened to the record, it kind of just passed me by because I was like, oh, there's no heavy ones. So what do you think of it now? I think it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, so do I. I think it's really great. Yeah. Like, and it's, it is, a, you know, I, I really, even though Indie Cindy does not, is not, an, is an album, but it's not really an album because it doesn't feel it's like, three EPs feel squashed like an together. Album, sort yeah, of yeah, three yeah. pieces squashed together. It's got some absolutely brilliant standalone tracks it on really it. It really does. Record. Yeah. And I think Head Carrier, again, is great. Yeah. But, I honestly think this might be the best record they've done since they've come back. Possibly, yes. Um, I would need to sit with it for longer to be able to like a hundred percent. It's certainly sign the most, up on that. Um, but it's the most different from anything yeah, they've the done most, in the past. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it stands alone the most. Yeah, 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 I mean? yeah, it's yeah, most standalone record, definitely. And it is something where, and it's also because you know I saw Pixies last year. I think we we reviewed it on the show, and they were great. Um, but they were playing Surfer Rosa in full and, and you you know, like I would have preferred to do little personally, but um but great, obviously. And you could see that when it came to doing some of the heavier material, they're getting to an age now where I don't think they're gonna want to write that type of thing forever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, like if they're gonna continue as a band, it makes sense to try and do and they can do this, like mm. do you know what I mean? Like they definitely can do these types of songs i mean like some of their biggest songs are the slower ones aren't they really like, where is my mind is not gone to heaven yeah like massive, massive wave songs. of mutilation yeah like massive massive hits from their back catalogue are gigantic yeah are nothing like the type of thing that we're sort of saying oh that's what you would expect mm. from the pixies mm. you know so this to me not only is it a great record as a standalone record and very different from their back catalogue it's a really good signpost to go in oh we might have the pixies releasing records for another 10 years i because i couldn't see them doing in 10 years doing blue-eyed blue-eyed hex and writing another blue-eyed hex do you know what i mean that's no. very difficult well who know who knows but no you're probably right and i think um i think this is a very i mean i've always felt like critics have been particularly snobby with the Pixies reunion, certainly since Kim they've Deal. been since Kim Deal leaving and the albums coming out, mm-hmm. basically. Um, I remember. I mean, Pitchfork kind of designed to, you know, fuck us off, f- fuck us off anyway. But you know, I remember Pitchfork when EP one came out, they gave it one out of ten, and then when EP two came out, they gave it two out of ten. You know, and. I mean, it's it's just that's just fucking nonsense journalism. But um, I think Pixies have proved that they do have something new in their locker. And you know, as much as I love Indie Cindy and Head Carrier, there isn't anything on either of those two records which would say they hadn't done before. Yeah, that's true. But I can't say that at this album. I think this is genuinely different. Um, I think you're probably right. It probably is the best record they've released. I mean, I want to sit with it for a couple more weeks before it would take Head Carrier's spot personally, mm. but it probably is the best record they've released since yeah. since they've reformed. Certainly, most striking. Although it passed, like I say, it passed me by on the first listen. But certainly, the one where you go eh, at first, yeah, I th- confusing. I think, I think this, I think both of us reacting to it in an odd way initially, though, should you know spend a a few listens with it because it may be alienating at first, particularly if you're already a fan. Mm. But once you get 
what it is and what it's doing i think it's i think it's fantastic yeah, i, it's I, I really love this album yeah. um it's really good um and yeah the th- the thought of new pixies material before excited me but now it really excites me um they're also i mean we've talked a lot about how dog shit a venue alexandra palace is <laughs> yeah. and um they're playing ali pali uh in a week's time when yeah. this goes out and when it was announced I've, I've seen pixies loads since they've reformed um and when it was announced i was basically like eh, i'll probably catch them next time when they come back to london and play a venue that i actually like yeah um since this album's come out i'm like yeah i'd really like to get on the guest list actually mm. uh so uh yeah someone can sort that out for me <laughs> um, but no i like i really want to go if you now. can sort that out, that out for us ryland clark <laughs> from uh celebrity big brother <laughs> talking to our celebrity friends <laughs> um but yeah like i i actually really want to go now i, I really want to see them i'd be up for going there. do this stuff mm. yeah so do this stuff do uh, do this well do specifically this stuff i want to yeah. hear this stuff live yeah um yeah i'd like to see them because like i say i saw them and they just didn't surf a rosa which yeah. is great but album shows i don't know why they agreed to that well money i know they, what they did like to. fucking four nights at the roundhouse they would have yeah, got paid yeah, a shitload yeah. for that yeah i mean they did i think they did um for atp years ago when they first came back after a couple of years after they came back they did um do little and fool, didn't they? So yeah, they I saw, I saw it little. at Brixton Academy. Did you? Yeah, mm. yeah, and you said it wasn't that great. No, it wasn't. Yeah. But that's because I don't like album shows, mainly. Me too. Anyway, like the Pixies though. That's beneath the Irie, and it is out now. Sorry, is that culturally insensitive? I'm <laughs> no not idea. sure. I don't know. Um, all right, next album that we're going to talk about comes from Cult of Luna, A Dawn to Fear. This is out next week, so you're gonna have to wait another week. Uh, it is the eighth studio album. Yes, Renfrey, I am. Counting Mariner with Julie Christmas. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Good. I always yeah. have to check these things. I actually get I get annoyed with people who don't count Mariner. Right. Okay. Because, you know. It is a cult of Luna. It's a cult of Luna album. Yeah, for sure. Um, the XG album by the Post Metal Swedes, a band that, if I was to hazard a guess, should we be doing some sort of Riot Act awards this week? I think they might get the award for the, the most mentioned band in the history of this podcast. Really? Because it feels like every week when a post-rock or a post-metal album comes in, we compare it in some way Mm. to a group of bands, those bands usually being Neurosis, Coaluna and Isis. Mm -hmm. They're kind of the big three. Mm. That's because they are three of the best. The big three, yeah. (laughs) yeah. And, you know, there are weeks where I will listen to something like that. Like, you know, The Road last week, who I thought are a perfectly good, very promising, um, quite exciting, decent, young British post-metal band with some excellent ideas, right? Um, But there is a reason why, as much as I enjoyed that record and continue to enjoy it uh, still, um, there is a reason why we put bands like Cult of Luna in a different sort of space to your average common or garden post-metal band. There is, yeah. And I guess listening to A Dawn to Fear uh, probably would be evidence enough as to why we do something like that. Okay, so I 100% agree with you. However, 
I find it re I find it really difficult to um Cult of Luna are up there with my favorite bands. They they I I they they're, they're in the top 30, I would say. Right, okay. Um I really like Cult of Luna and Carl and are undoubtedly better than you know the road for example obviously uh-huh. i think the road would admit that but apart from they've been doing it longer and they're just better at it i find it really difficult to express why they're better at it can you do a better job than me of that because well it's i guess it's like um it's it's difficult because i guess all the things that you'll say that are good about them are things that you would say about other bands that are good at doing. That's this. kind of what I mean. Yeah. 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 Um, and, but I think what it comes down to with a lot of bands like this is a, how easily can they hold your attention? Mm. Like not just, I'm willing to give my attention to this and I'm going to make sure I, I, this gives my attention. How much are you not just listening to it, but how much are you enjoying this? How much to are it? you engaging with how it? How much as well, are you engaged in listening to it? Mm. How much um, of it surprises you mm. and shocks you? Yeah, yeah. How yeah, much yeah. of it is uh, something that you go, I, I didn't see that coming? Mm. Because there are bands where you listen to it and you go, yeah, yeah, it's going to be eight minutes long. It's going to be one riff that will slowly, slowly build yeah. and the drums might change pattern halfway through and then it'll be a shouty bit and then it'll all yeah. go really quiet and then it'll explode to a crescendo and then it'll end and then it'll be eight yeah. minutes of my life and I will go, cool, that's good. I like yeah. that type of music. Yeah. But and I how often that. have I gone, oh God, Jesus, I've not heard anybody do something like this before. Yes. And yes. the kind of the beauty of Cult of Luna, I would say particularly like I, when we were doing our Arc Tangent review, I kind of fessed up a bit that as much as I always listen to Cult of Luna a fair bit and I listen to this type of music and have been since I became a, a big, big fan of Neurosis back in the sort of late nineties. Um, and Cult of Luna were one of the first bands, first of the other wave of bands that I got into sort of them and I, again, them and Isis being the sort of main mm-hmm. one and like Canute, the long forgotten mm-hmm. Canute mm-hmm. from Switzerland. Um, but it, I never felt like a real, true love for cult of Luna. maybe it's because you know for me still neurosis are the band to beat like really when it comes to this if, if i am picking the godfather if i am picking the band if mm. someone said to me there's only one band and it's it's neurosis all day having said that when vertical came out and i was like oh yeah cool new cult of luna album everything they've done post vertical including Mar- like obviously you know mariner i've spoken about a lot um vertical blew my bloody tits off Mm. and i was like okay i really really do love this band now Mm. and then when mariner came along and it gave me something else Mm. with julia christmas's Mm. um contribution to it i was like okay this band are really really special and i have to say it means that a dawn to fear is probably the first time where i have been chomping at the bit yeah to hear a new cult of living record Mm-hmm. Um, on the art tangent review, I kind of well, I didn't reveal it. Fucking Brady did, didn't he? But um, I I think I'd had the album at that point for a week or so, and it was very much a record that was very much exciting me. Um, pr- I, I almost exclusively listened to that Cold Luna record uh, 
working up to arc tangent itself you know and um i think i think one of the things that was sort of hinted at there is i basically said that this is the best album cult of luna released Mm -hmm. i think um i I have since gone back to somewhere along the highway and eternal kingdom i should say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like oh yeah those are really good as well <laughs> yeah. so but i what i will say is i'm still actually mulling that over in my mind and considering how good somewhere along the kingdom i you know for me it's somewhere along the kingdom and uh eternal, somewhere, along the, somewhere along the highway and eternal kingdom for mm. me vertical um i think is fantastic but it's never um i've never say anything bad against it but I, I've, I've never got on board with it in in the way that i have the, the mariner and somewhere along the highway and all really that. but yeah, yeah i think it's brilliant but i that again i, I like sorry to butt in but no. I, I, that is what's fucking brilliant about cult of luna because you know to the untrained ear who someone who doesn't listen to this type of music at all would probably go maybe <laughs> place and sit down and listen to this band's entire discography back to back 80 percent of the well, probably even more than that 85 percent of the population of this planet would go this all sounds exactly the same same. like it doesn't change at all um but i think the beauty of cult luna is just the layers they add and strip away the things they leave out to add the Mm. things that they change to stay the same do you know what i mean i think that there are they are a band who are so brilliantly subtle in the way that they change but it means that those changes are essential and integral to how you enjoy and love Cult of Luna. Yeah. Like I think Vertical's just, it's, like, I don't know, I don't know how to kind of explain it. Anyway, we're not really getting, we're not reviewing that record, so I won't bother. But I just think like the last few have been brilliant. And I've gone back to like Eternal, I remember getting Eternal Kingdom and being like, yeah, this is good. And going, oh, this is good. And that's about as far as I ever really kind of went with it. Was I do like it. I always liked it, mm. but I was never like, oh, they're the best. Probably because, you know, Times of Grace was around at the time. I was yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I mean? interesting. I mean, I think you. I think I discovered Cartel Luna before I discovered Neurosis. And I do wonder if, if it had been reversed to both of us. I think there's so little to distinguish those two bands in terms of quality. Mm. I, I I almost feel like is, is your favourite just going to be the first one you hear? quite yeah possibly. i mean you know what you could say that about a lot you could add in aim and ra yeah, yeah, yeah like if someone yeah, has yeah. just heard aim and ra and they've never heard neurosis yeah, yeah, yeah. you could hear aim and ra and be like this is unbelievable and then the neurosis and go oh yeah they're, they're, they're kind of i can see yeah. where they took those ideas and ran with them mm. and you can kind of see where cult of luna have taken ideas from neurosis and the, the brilliant thing about all three of those bands and i'll put in you know everything that aaron turner does as well is mm. that they have all gone okay well Thank you for the initial nugget of ideas, Neurosis. We are now going to go off into our own little direction. We're going to plant it and make a tree from the and, um, acorn of ideas. There we go. And um, <laughs> one of the things, again, that I was looking at when I was sort of um, reading up about this record before it came out is there was um, uh, a lot of chat from the band about how they wanted to add spontaneity into their sound more they felt like oh right yeah i don't know if you've seen that no um there's a little piece on i think it might be in pitchwalk actually um where they were talking about how they felt like 
as a band they were sort of starting to not stagnate but i think they felt like they wanted to add spontaneity and they wanted to add more um like a wider breadth of stuff to be allow themselves to just kind of go fuck it we're going to go into this territory that we haven't done before okay that makes Um, sense and you know for me on this record particularly the 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 organ the Hammond organ Mm. and the um, glorious the what's it called the squeeze box the uh, accordion the accordion that's it the accordion the the kind of those parts and what they bring to the sort of traditional sound of Cult of Luna is they're fucking incredible yeah totally agreed Mm. um Let's get on it. I feel yeah. like I feel like we're pussyfooting around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this is the longest Cult of Luna album. Mm. Um by That was another thing they said they were like, however long it takes is how long it takes, and we're yeah. not cutting anything out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh this is almost a full compact disc. Mm. Uh it's, it's as long as the tool album. It's as long as the tool album without mm. the interludes. It's mm. seventy nine minutes and something or something or other seconds. I was like, Oh, eight tracks over seven you know, we've talked a lot about long albums on this podcast. Um and immediately I loaded it up and I was trepidatious uh, because as much as I, I, there's been 65 minute Cult of Lunar albums, which have been amazing, but maybe could have had a minute or two shaved off. So I was a bit, I was a little bit trepidatious about that. Every single time I press play on this record and I have listened to it now around 20 times, it feels like it goes in a flash. And and I, to bring it back to what I was saying at the beginning of this review, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they make, I don't know how a 15 minute song like uh, lights on the hill, which by the way is just fucking outrageously brilliant. It's, it's so good. It, I don't, you know, that feels like about six minutes to me. Uh, if that yeah. time, time well, because so much happens yeah you have i mean to go, it's, gonna, it's gotta take at least but this but this is so much does happen but so much happens in such an unhurried and unrushed way and i feel like you put the silent man on which is the first track 10 minutes and it takes about 10 minutes but you get into the mood of the record and then just suddenly 80 minutes has gone by and you're like yeah. how the fuck did that happen um i time is relative and time is fluid, but I have never been more flummoxed by the concept of time than listening to a than when listening to this record. Yeah, um, I've it, it, how listening to this eighty minutes feels totally and utterly different to listening to just taking something which isn't even bad but is eighty minutes long, and I don't respond to as about that. Um, ocean king ocean wisdom oh yeah yeah the rapper yeah. Yeah, the the rapper guy who you know is i mean he's very good very good at what he does and stuff i i think his record was around 80 minutes long and listening to that for me it feels like 80 minutes listening to a dawn of fear it feels like about half an hour like i they hit it's hypnotic mm. it is i feel like every time i've used the word hypnotic i've been using it incorrectly because this album is truly hypnotic i don't know where the time goes Mm. i just get completely and utterly seduced by it this album seduces me Mm. um and 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 it does sound like cult of luna as well yeah like you know it 
this is not like we're saying about the pixies this is not a massive glorious reinvention but what it does do is i mean i heard again something else they said was um leaning a little bit heavier on the influence of radiohead and there are this album yeah ah. um and hmm. kind of trying to to bring out a bit of the not you, you think like they that when they're built you know often you listen to a band like this and you think even when they're just building up they're building up to something heavy yeah whereas in this record there are parts in it that they build up to something that soars yeah build up to stuff that is not heavy that is not like traditionally metal or post-metal it's actually um yeah it's got as much to do with i mean there, there are bass lines on this that remind me of elbow there are parts mm. in it that remind me of those sort of indie bands. It's not a wallop of a record. It's not a like slowly, slowly, slowly build up to wallop you. It's often, and to be honest, right, you've listened to this 20 times. We're coming at this from a very different perspective because I've only had this because I've been in New York. I've only had it for two days. I got all of the records from this week in a couple of days. I've been cramming these fucking records <laughs> for the last like 48 hours like you wouldn't believe because they are very, very different and difficult and challenging and interesting records all of them everything that we're doing this week is but mm. particularly i wanted to listen to the cult of lunar album as much as i possibly could because i know that there are subtleties in there that will take me 15 20 listens before mm -hmm. i actually get them and i'm sure you're further down the line I'm than i am but yeah. even on just a very very base level like the first time the silent man came in at the the very start the first song straight away you're like like you say you're in their world mm -hmm. and it's fucking it's and it's amazing and they are just so brilliant i will say this people may well have heard the silent man already um i silent man is a brilliant song i think it's one of the weakest on the album well i mean for me certainly night walkers into lights on the hill mm -hmm. is that's just, that is that is a almost perfect 25 minutes yeah it's really really good it's just and that is that is that's the middle of the album and it's the point where i am at my most you know imagine a cartoon with those weird hypnotized eyes you know it is i'm just completely it's a record which makes me stop what i'm doing a lot and just sort of it, stare it, into the middle distance it changes the way like i was listening to it on my headphones again i was talking about listening to it on the tube my headphones it changes the way you walk yeah. It changes the way you see everything. If you've got this on your headphones, you, depending on what's going on in the record, you will your peripheral vision will change mm -hmm. depending on what Cult of Luna are doing. Yeah, they are a band who they're like puppet masters, and they will with your emotions, with mm -hmm. your like your thoughts. They are, I mean, and this is why they're better than everyone else. Yeah, because everything is wider, everything has more scope, everything is more. Um, they, they managed to be instant. And again, you know, like, well, this is coming two weeks after we've spoken about the Tool record. Yeah. And if there was one, it was not even the criticism, but we did say the Tool record quite happily sits, for the most part, certainly up to Tempest, pretty much in one place, really. You know, it sits in... It uses a, the same tricks. It uses... Yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. it just kind of... There, that wheel is being turned at a, You know, but this isn't. No. I mean, I'm not willing at this early stage to go this is better than fear inoculum i'm not willing to do that um but that is one thing that i noticed that you know 
this is a compar- this is an album of comparable quality to Fear Inoculum. I uh, 100% agree. Right. Yeah. And even without me wanting to, you know, come the end of the year, you'll know mm. which one of the two I prefer. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> I can't say at all at the moment. But this definitely goes to f- it f- it goes to m- other places more often than fear inoculum does i'll yeah. definitely definitely you know i'll i'll say that yeah. quite confidently yeah and it's you know if you've had the last two weeks with the new tool album you've just been trying to like you know get as deep inside as you can you've got another week with it before this comes out <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. you've got to do it all all over yeah. again with something i would say you know t- to my mind, sort of, what what is it? Well, how many times have I listened to this now? Four, I think four times I've listened to it now, and which is not enough, hmm. not enough at all. Um, but def, but I can tell that that what's going on is f- phenomenal. Yeah, and um, it's really good. We are we are talking about one of the albums of the year, definitely. hundred um, percent. In terms of the fear inoculum thing, again, I'm you know. I'm not entirely sure yet um, if I prefer this record to Fear Inoculum, but the fact that I'm even thinking about it says a lot for it, considering how much I love that record. Yeah. Um, and you know, it I it may well may well beat it. I mean, you know, we'll see in December. But you know, I I, I when I said it was the best Cult of Luna record a couple of weeks ago. I instantly felt like sometimes we get a little bit overexcited, you know, and sometimes we say stuff on this where we go, oh man, should we have actually said that? The majority of the time, Mm. I think it's fine. Mm. But at any time I've spoken about Doshi Dreams, (laughs) that is completely reasonable. (laughs) Um, But, um, but it was definitely something that, that has gnawed at me a little bit the last couple of weeks because I'm like, oh man, that is a hell of a thing to say considering how much people love that band and how, highly regarded some of those albums are and i was speaking to a few people at um arc tangent who were going on about how their old stuff is untouchable i was like oh man maybe i shouldn't have said that um i think i whilst whether it's the best cult of lunar album or not i don't actually think it's a bad thing to say because i do think it's a strong contender absolutely and again i mean it's just to go you know it's so great to be getting an out. Like, you know, they're not a massive band, Cut of Luna, but I hope their profile will edge up again I further so. with the kind of the success of like the Fear Inoculum. And there's another band with an album coming out next week or the week after um, who ha- there's another record coming out, which is, again, just as dense, just as difficult, but just as like, oh my goodness me, I can't even begin to know where that you know whether that will be number three or number one in my albums of the year okay i I think this is this is really good and i'm probably gonna need a little bit more time before i say anything more than that but they're very very good i think it's sublime i think if you haven't uh i think cult of luna can be a sort of um scary world to try and penetrate um if you haven't tried Cult of Lunar out before, I don't think this is a bad place. No, it's at not. All. It's not at all. Actually, Start. it feels fairly accessible <laughs> in, in, in the realms of what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. Actually, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I the, have the, to the, say, like, when well, you... the, There's a song on it called We Feel the End, mm. which is fucking beautiful, by the way. Seven... Which comes after that, like, ridiculous high point yeah. of Lights on the Hill. Seven minutes and six seconds long. I mean, with this band, it feels like an interlude, yeah. if anything. But that song reminded me of rock action slash happy songs for happy people era mogwai mm. and actually if it had turned up on one of those mogwai albums from that time i wouldn't have batted an eyelid no yeah i mean that's again i think mogwai i know they mentioned radiohead but certainly i think you know mogwai at this point are quite a good yeah comparable band because there are moments on this like i say i mean i said elbow earlier and i've said radiohead but certainly you know that, that there's enough of the not just crush yeah um whereas you listen to i mean we mentioned aim and ra and we mentioned neurosis i mean i think this decade as much as i said oh you know neurosis are untouchable if we just take this decade uh, what uh, cult of luna have done uh, cult of luna fast are they're the band at the moment to beat it would I, I for me it's no contest yeah cult of luna i mean i mean i've sort of said this on the show before i think of those three, I do think Holoon are my favourite anyway. So I might say that of the other decades as well. But but of this decade or of this last 10 or last 20 yeah, years? Yeah, last 10 years. No, last not 10. 20, hold on. All right, all right, all right. Last 10, I think it's undoubtable. Undoubtable? Yeah, yeah sure. Mm. I, You know, Versicle, 1 and 2, Mariner, and now this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good. That is out in a week's time. Get your shit ready for when it comes out. A Dawn to Fear by Cult of Luna. It is a class act and make no bloody mistake yeah. about it. It's um, one of the albums of the year. Absolutely. And we can is. safely say that yeah, already. It it's really brilliant. is. Um, and the big hitters and the stuff, what we love, keeps on coming. Chelsea Wolf comes up next. Birth of Violence. It's the sixth album from the massively influential Queen of Death Gospel. Oh, I hate it every time you say it. But yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. no. No, you know, fuck it. Let's try and avoid using this term. Well, okay. I, I reason... don't care if the rest of the media are using it. Like they, they don't like it. The okay. the the artists who are constantly lumped into it. <laughs> um, I it it doesn't describe the the death part. Sure, the gospel part is completely incorrect. I, and certainly on this record, I mean, well, okay, we'll get into that. I mean, I would say, okay, so Chelsea Wolfe's last two albums, His Spun and Abyss have been albums that I have fallen deeply, deeply in love with. Um, when it comes to, we're to, you know, just so you know, we are, we are putting that podcast together where we're going to be doing our favourite top 20 records of the decade, speaking of bands having good decades. And um, both His Spun and Abyss, I've got a short list of records that are making up my top 20 albums. Um, it's more than 20 at the moment. But both Hispun and Abyss are on that list. Nice. Um, cool. J- just so you know. It's good. Uh, whether either I, of them make it. I'd put, uh, I'd put Pain as Beauty above Abyss, personally. Would you? Okay. I think Abyss is an absolute masterpiece. Um, I think Abyss is fucking mental. The, pro- the problem with Abyss is I'm rarely in the mood to listen to it because it genuinely upsets me. Yeah. But I but I do think it's an incredible piece really of work. Good. Yeah. Um, but anyway... Uh, that should tell you something about how much I enjoy Chelsea Wolfe. Mm. Um, she has described this record as a more folk-influenced sound this time. Um, 
more stripped down performances. More stripped down. She said she needed a break. Uh, in She did an interview with Rolling Stone where she said she needed a break from life, a break from touring. She needed to go away with nothing mm. and create this kind of alone. And so what we've got is, like you say, a more stripped back um, yeah. Chelsea Wolf record. All of the songs started with just her and an acoustic guitar, a Taylor acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. And they make very nice acoustic guitars. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can hear the bare bones of all of these songs. You can hear what the versions with just her and a guitar would sound like quite easily mm. most of the time. Her longtime collaborator, Ben Chisholm, yep. I think it's pronounced, um, does add these very cool textures and uh, unusual sort of sounds to them to make them uh sort of slightly more unnerving and stuff and i think his work on this record is is really subtle but mm-hmm. really quite brilliant i think he's a fun I, I think he is a big i'm not i don't want to take anything away from um chelsea wolf herself but i think he is a large factor in what makes her brilliant i don't think you're taking anything from away from chelsea no. wolf by saying that at no. all no. because i think like you say his color and her yeah voice which is you know just and her songwriting sublime voice yeah Yeah. is uh is a massive part of what makes chelsea wolf so brilliant um it's a combination of those two this i mean it is more stripped down um although no less dark she's called this a harrowing ode to route 66 so again yeah much like the pixies we get a um a kind of heartbreak americana record yeah yeah and this actually kind of reminded me um someone else who has uh, explored similar themes i feel like this is chelsea wolf at her most pj harvey-esque um yeah especially sort of dry to is this desire Mm. kind of era so basically the first four records Mm -hmm. or even um i mean pj harvey released really god released four track demos which was basically the four track demos for the songs from um dry and rid of me yeah it's good Uh, it's just stripped back versions of those songs but uh, you know you could kind of compare it to that as well yeah um and there's this really strong pj harvey vibe on this record definitely not a bad thing because pj no no amazing now you've said that i'm like oh yeah yeah because obviously it is easy to get caught up and go well you know it's there's the the sort of thing that's happened at the moment the anna van housewolf and the louise lamont and that kind of thing it's very easy to go oh yeah she's uh, it's a bit you know or a williams we've spoken about a lot um this year but uh so it's easy to kind of go oh yeah it's a bit like that that sort of thing yeah and you know there are similarities, but I think, I think the media and I, actually, I'm 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 gonna say I think we've been really shit at plumping all of those. I, I I think we've been bad at in terms of plumping all of those artists together. We've done it in a means which is is um, meant. To, you know, we said those we love all of those bands pretty much. Even I mean, even Louise Lemon, who's probably our least favorite of that lot. I mean, I still really like Louise Lemon a lot. I think she's great. Mm, so it's right. it's always meant as a compliment, I think, when we say it. But there's definitely, I do, I do kind of when I look back at it a lot, I do kind of think, well, the reason why these these artists are all put in the same category is they're all women who write dark themes. Basically, that is pretty much 
Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of them use the same, the same producers and a lot of them, you, uh, they use similar tones and uh, yeah. a lot of them have, fair, you know, I don't think that that's, uh, you know, I I would say that, but I mean, funnily enough, I was going to say before this record, I would definitely have gone, Chelsea Wolf doesn't really belong in with all those artists. But then I listened to this record and it's like, well, maybe she does a bit oh. on this record. Okay. I think PJ Harvey's a good shout, but then, you know, PJ Harvey's massively influential. I yeah. think you could talk to any of those artists and a load of other artists that we yeah. haven't mentioned or yeah, compared yeah, yeah, yeah. to the, 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 you know, this this scene, this movement, this whatever you want to call it, too, and they would go, oh yeah, fuck me, yeah, oh god, I love PJ Harvey, she's yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, um, so this record run free. Uh, a bit sadder than, particularly a bit sadder than his spun, I think, which felt like it was full of righteous indignation, which <laughs> I really liked. Um, but this is a bit kind of sadder. And musically, I have to say, it's, yeah, I feel like I'm going to contradict what I said about the Pixies because I do feel like I've sort of heard this sort of thing done before. Mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant to get an artist like Chelsea Wolf, where you put like three albums back to back and all of them sound completely different. Yep. Completely different. Like those I three albums I have her, nothing, basically honest, not as, nothing common other than her voice. Her entire discography. I think you could say yeah. that of, to be honest. She's, she's released in the past. She released a acoustic collection of songs called unknown rooms or something like that. 25 minute kind of EP thing. And everyone before this came out, it's been saying, oh, right, so it's going to be a bit like that. Mm. It's not at all, really. I mean... I wouldn't, I've not actually heard that, so I'm not... I mean, like well, I the, the songs are all played on an acoustic on both records, but but they're still very, very different in lots of ways. You know, she's very much a master of releasing a totally different record every single time. Mm. I think um, when artists decide to go down this path of kind of let's strip everything back um it can i think i think it's often a very good thing to do um but i think it can sometimes lead to an album which obviously the dynamics kind of go down you know this is this is probably the least dynamic record chelsea wolf's released probably since that last acoustic one um and certainly the first couple of times that I heard this record, bearing in mind I'm a massive Chelsea Wolf fan. If I'm totally honest, I was a little disappointed initially because it felt maybe the first two to three listens felt like it was all one very, very pleasant and very enjoyable to listen to dirge. You know, it was just sort of, it just felt like one sort of, long dirgy comfortable i was a comforting but i can see that for the first couple of listens yeah but then the more you listen to it the more individual songs you sort of pick out individual songs and i realized that you know like a song like deranged for rock and roll for example is this kind of sleazy languid almost you could almost give it a sort of queens of the stone age vibe at, at their most sort of stoned yeah um it's fucking brilliant you know it's that's a great song um be all things is this beautifully f- beautiful finger pink 
uh, Lament, which Chisholm then puts all these strange things over the top of. I mean, again, the the first, what's the first song called? The Mother something or other? The Mother uh, Road. The Mother Road. Basically just starts with Chelsea Wolfe for, you know, a minute, two minutes. And when Ben Chisholm's stuff comes in, there's these like reversed strings which come in just suddenly turn the atmosphere of the song on a dime and make it something really quite uneasy and unsettling and it's it's very you know it's very very cool and the more i listen to this album the more i could pick out things and go this is really there's some really good stuff on this record yeah well mate i'm glad you said that because i have to say my initial reaction to it was that it was slightly less impactful for me because i do think i do think she does this stuff very well do you think the two of them do this stuff very well as well as emma ruth rundle or you know just better than louise lamont if we're going to sort of compare them to more this album to more like for like-esque hmm. artists um I, i'll just chip in there and say for this kind of stuff particularly i'd go with emma over Chelsea yeah personally. yeah yeah, me too. yeah. I, uh, yeah I, I i agree i think like hmm. on dark horses particularly mm-hmm. is is better than this i feel a bit uneasy about really kind of yeah, no i think it would be difficult for it to be oh, that album is fucking superb so yeah i don't think that's an insult because i think there's other I, my point is is basically there are artists that already exist in this space whereas mm-hmm. i felt like on the last two albums particularly she was occupying a very Something unique space her own yes i think that's fair um yeah and you know this isn't that's not to say that the album's bad mm-hmm. because i think the album's good like, and I haven't listened to it as much as you. I, I very much doubt I've listened to it as much as you because I've not had the chance. Mm. So I am still in a space where I'm like, okay, I'm getting to know the songs, but am I getting to know them inside out like I might need to? I mean, at the moment, my personal favourite is a, a song called Preface, uh, Preface to a Dream, which mm. has a little bit of kind of, it uses beats and electronics um, and kind of bigger drums, which hark back a little bit to stuff that she's previously done before um but her vocals sort of re- refuse to change tact with like mm. do you know what i mean it's mm. her her kind of um the dreamier uh more melancholic like she's always been melancholic but particularly on this album it feels very kind of world weary yeah. you know and um I mean, and i that. like i really like that juxtaposition that juxtaposition is it's a clear juxtaposition that you can go oh that's really cool straight away so it's not as subtle as some of the subtleties that i probably haven't dug out yet because i haven't listened to it enough but um i enjoyed all of this record yeah so did i I really enjoyed like i thought it was really good i think her voice is just it's wonderful is spine tingling mm. brilliant mm. she has got mm. an absolutely unbelievable voice and it is nice to hear you, you you get more of a sense of how brilliant her voice is live anyway but mm. on record because his spun and abyss and to a lesser extent pain is beauty there's so much going on on them yeah. um it's very rarely at the forefront um and it's far more so on this record mm. um i think this is a cool I think this is a really good album and I don't uh, I I don't want to I don't want to diss it based on the fact that in my opinion it's not quite as interesting as their previous three records yeah. because I think 
especially if she's feeling burnt out and like just wants to do something chilled, which maybe she doesn't have to tour or maybe she doesn't have to tour as extensively with a full backing band and stuff. I think she's perfectly within her rights to do that. And what she's produced is still really fucking cool. Very, very good. It's just, you know, when, when inevitably I do a ranking of Chelsea Wolf albums, this will be quite low on it, Mm. but it doesn't mean it's a bad record. I mean, um, Damnation by Opeth. It's quite, it's relatively low on my ranking of Opeth albums. doesn't mean that I don't go back and, I mean, I still fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I put, actually. I said, I love that she's made albums, the last three albums have all sounded totally different back to back. And how many artists do that? Yeah. Hardly any. Yeah. If any, you know what I mean? Like, hardly anyone does that. Mm-hmm. But she has. Um, the fact that this is, I, I think I'm, I'm probably happy to say this is my least favourite of the last three. Um yeah, I mean, I it's a tricky. I mean, but that, but just in the fact that they're all so different, they're kind of tricky to. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. But in terms of what do I, you know, which one will I want to listen? I don't know because I will want to listen to this because I want to know it properly. But that's the other thing as well. Like I, I mentioned earlier, that like Abyss is a record that I very seldom listen to, mm. even though I think it's a masterpiece. Because to be honest, it takes me to some really dark places. That albums that that I don't often want to go to. Um, this is a much easier record to listen to. Yeah, doesn't mean it's a better record, but it's but but to be honest with you, over the next few years, Birth of Violence may well get more listens from me than Abyss does. Yeah, doesn't, I doesn't mean it's better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's the weird kind of contradiction of the kind of field that Chelsea Wolf operates within. Sometimes she goes to places that are so dark, something's brilliant, but it doesn't mean you necessarily want to visit it all. The time. I mean, you know. I've only seen Schindler's List once, but I don't I, I don't need to go back to Schindler's List every other year to no. be reminded that it's a great film. No, that's true. There we go. <laughs> um, Birth of Violence by Chelsea Wolfe. That's out now. It is still definitely worth your time. Oh, it's brilliant. And if you're a fan of Chelsea Wolfe, you should be. Um, I think you will still enjoy it. Like, let's not yeah. beat around the bush here. It's. I hope we haven't sounded too negative with that review because it is fantastic yeah it's just she's like it's an eight out of ten like you know at the moment i feel like it's an eight out of ten surrounded by nines Nines. yeah i think that's fair yeah all right last album before we move on to trade-off is (laughs) corpse flower and it comes from mike Patton and jean-claude vanier yet another weird and wonderful mike Patton moment a man who a year ago was screaming his guts blue with members of Daughters, the Locust and Slayer in Dead Cross, uh, is now crooning with the French composer Jean-Claude Vanier. Um, He's most famous for working with uh, Serge Gainsbourg. Serge Gainsbourg. Um, In fact, uh, he's sort of considered a musical icon and uh, part of France's musical heritage, much like Serge Gainsbourg in France. Mm. Uh, He's done a lot of film soundtracks um to be honest based on this record i can see why yeah he's he's a Uh, phenomenal composer and arranger and so on and so forth yeah and some of you may if if anyone is aware of him over in in the uk in 2006 he did a barbican show he kind of curated a barbican show uh with guest vocalist jarvis cocker um griff reese from super furry animals badly drawn boy um mick harvey from the bad seeds and um, he met Mike Patton actually at the Hollywood Bowl in 2011 at a Serge Gainsborough retrospective 
kind of tribute concert. Mm. Mm. So, um, and they've well, Mike Patton certainly said that he's wanted to collaborate with him ever since, and this is kind of the mm. first opportunity they've had to do it. Yeah. So, Corpse Flower. I mean, with Mike Patton, you sort of do know what you're going to get, but you sort of don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> Um, well, you, and that's, you know it's not going to be um, traditional. You, 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 yeah. you know what you're going to get because you know what you're going to get is something that you didn't think you were going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I totally agree with you. Um, and here we are. Uh, an album full of beautifully, brilliantly warped, um, dark orchestral spaghetti western yeah. um, French 60s pop. Which is kind of what I expected. Yeah. But then at the same time, uh, what the fuck does that sound like? I mean, I didn't expect Mike Patton to just be shouting food words, different types of food. Yeah. Cool. Uh, or going, when I'm so drunk, I shit my pants. Over yeah. this glorious sweeping orchestral yeah. movement. Or I mean... Carry on. Yeah. Carry on. Carry on. Bring. Uh, this record... Uh, you know, let's. I'm not going to do downplay Jean Claude Vanier's um, contribution to it, but this is so Mike Patton. This is like if you were to try the most Mike Patton thing to do is this record. Just it's so weird. Yeah, it's it's very when people talk about Mike Patton's solo stuff and you know didn't he do a Italian opera once yeah he something did like yeah. that you know he's done all sorts they, he? They, they, they'll sort of talk about when they talk about his crazy strange collaborations this is definitely another one to add to that mm-hmm. uh pile I suppose um although I don't know I I, I don't know if you should downplay Jean-Claude Vanier's oh I'm not I'm saying I don't okay. want to and I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. not going to because I think Jean-Claude Vanier I mean the the um tapestry that he gives Patton to 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 work with and to play with is it's amazing pretty broad yeah and pretty extraordinary very f- um yeah, it's, it's like a film soundtrack almost like yeah. it goes to so many different places and um there are musicians in LA who c- have contributed bits and pieces on top of that as well but it yeah. does sound like predominantly it's come from Vanier's you know mind. mind and then Mike Patton has just added his crazy Fucking mad mind. mad mind on top of it yeah what Jean-Claude Vanier does in this record is he's unbelievably adept at fitting or juxtaposing Mike Patton. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So it either fits so perfectly or it is such a wild juxtaposition that you just cannot help but go, Although actually, mad. I, w- I don't want to keep ping-ponging between who's most responsible for this collaboration here, but actually, um, from what I've read about it, it sounds like Vanier came up with the 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 basis for each song and then would send them to Patton. So actually if anything oh, right, okay. if anything that would be Patton uh juxtaposing from Vanier's work. So right. so um but I wanted to point out the Vanier thing because you know I think Vanier came in with the bare bones of these songs and then Patton added his bit to mm, it. Mm. You know. So I mean you mentioned carry on. Mm, carry on, carry on, which is so brilliantly slinky. I've written down here. It sounds like a serial killer version of Beck. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's like, very good. It's awesome. 
um, Acid Lounge, I think. Acid Lounge, yeah. Uh, and and weirdly, like considering, I guess Mike Patton had a, probably did a bit of tweaking when it came to the musical bits yeah, at probably. the end of it, for sure. Um, there are a lot, like considering you would go, uh, it's some French composer who's going to do all the music and Mike Patton's sort of doing some weird stuff over the top of it. There is quite a lot of references of Mike Patton's former work in this. I think there is actually, uh, it feels to me like Jean-Claude Vanier is definitely well aware of what Mike Patton does yeah, and the type so. of things. I mean, there are bits on this that sound a bit like Tomahawk. There mm-hmm. are definitely bits that sound like particularly California by Mr. Bungle. Yes. And um, and I, even a bit of Peeping Tom. Yeah. There's the odd bit here and there that sounds a bit like something that may well have sat on, I don't know, a kind of a more ambient Peeping Tom record. I would even go as far as to say Face No More at their most obtuse. Yeah. The loungy um, stuff on King for a Day. Yes. Is, uh, feels like, I never thought I'd say this about Faith No More, but almost a, a more um, rudimentary version of what we get here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't, can't argue with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it, it's, I, I absolutely love this shit. It's great. I, I, uh, I admire this record more than I love it. Do you? I listen to it and I go, like, this is great fun. And I think this is a great collaboration. And I admire everyone who's worked on this. And I think it's really, 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 it's another, you know, manic side of Mike Patton and, and Mike Patton literally doing stuff that no one else is really doing. Um, I'm not sure how much I'll return to it. I think is my, um, overriding problem with it. I ordered it on vinyl. Oh, wow. Really? You really like it? I wow. fucking love this. I suppose the reason why, I mean, the only thing I have to to compare this to is Mike Patton's other projects, right? Mm. And I feel that Mike Patton often delivers something to me which I feel like I've never heard before. But then after that, I feel like I will also continue to listen to the record for years to come. In some cases, sometimes not, but at his best. So Peeping Tom, you mentioned. Mm. I think Peeping Tom is a fucking masterpiece like actually massively underrated um that record delivered something that i felt like mike Patton had never done before i felt like i I wouldn't go as far as say that i'd never heard anything like that before but he certainly took it and patternized it in into you know mangled it through his pattern machine which made it feel pretty unusual compared to stuff i'd heard before i think sometimes those albums are going to stay with you and sometimes they're not and um I think there's some fucking awesome stuff on this record. Um, the 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 single "Top of the World" is such a brilliant pattern esque. It is basically when I get to the top of the world, I'm going to take a shit on yeah on all of you basically. Yeah, it's uh, and it's wonderful. You know, it's fucking. It's really funny. It's really brilliantly done. Um, and I th- I think I think it is a, f- a fantastic collaboration, which you're not going to hear you know done in this way anywhere else but yeah i but i i i on on a fantastic week because it really has been a great week this week um i just don't know how often i'm going to return to it might be my favorite album of the week like early Fuck. doors i it, it won't be because the cult of lunar album will yeah. be yeah i mean i but i will I, think... I will say it is undoubtedly 
my least favorite album of the week. I didn't really want to say that because that right. indicates that it's not good, which I wouldn't say that about this record. I, I just, I, I was, I wouldn't say I was disappointed with Dead Cross, but I was like, Dead Cross could be anyone. Like, like doing Dead vocals. Yeah. Right. yeah. But, you know, could sort of be anyone, really. I think all, everybody involved in that band has done far, far, far superior things. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know, cool, Mike Patton. And I put it on. And in a week where, <laughs> we'll get to your bloody trade-off in a minute as well, but um, a very, very difficult challenge in music. I just wanted to listen to this. I love uh, okay. Patton's kind of gruff vocals on, what's the song? Chansons d'Arma. Yeah. That piano <laughs> with him. <laughs> and there's, it's just, it's so weird. Some of it is so weird when he's like, just talking about a school a schoolgirl's day, mm. right? Which is a weird, very, I mean, he's, Dicing with fire there, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> like, she went and played tennis mm. and then croquet. And like, it, it's almost like he's trolling the planet. The humour on this record is brilliant. Yeah, it's really funny. It goes all over the place. It is genuinely odd. It does recall many, many moments and many things that have happened in Mike Patton's career. But it isn't obvious enough for you to go, ah, that sounds a bit like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And... It flies by. For me, it absolutely flies by. I wouldn't personally say it flies by for me. Okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a, a difficult listen. I wouldn't say... I think this album is 43, 44 minutes long. Yeah. It feels 43, 44 minutes long. <laughs> Whereas the Cult of Luna record feels, you know, is, is almost 80 minutes long and feels 20. I mean, look, the Cult of Luna album is better. But this week I've been like, oh, I'm going to put that Mike Patton. I've had two days. I've been like, oh, I should really be listening to Chelsea Wolf. I just want to listen to that Mike Patton album again. I've been doing that with a microwave album. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah which is also out this week. Yeah, that's out this week. But anyway, um, look, listen, for me, you know what? Mike Patton could, he could literally come and shit in my mouth and I would be like, thank you, Michael. You're the best. I mean, he's it's coming out on vinyl. He's the kind of person who might do that. So, you know he's welcome to there's um, a story that he used to shit in um hair dryers hair dryers and in, in hotels mm -hmm. and then screw them back on what an absolute what an absolute hero <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry for sure. he is a hero <laughs> um so there you go mike Patton uh and jean-claude vanier the album is called corpse flower it's out right now and that brings us to the end of the show and to trade off uh renfrey last week you gave me Vile Luxury by Imperial Triumphant. Mm -hmm. And I gave you Millions of Dead Cops by MDC. Yep. Who wants to go first? Um, do you want to do your one first? Uh, kind of. Oh. Well, no, actually, no, I don't. I want to do your one oh, first. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, sorry. Um, fine. Only because I think there's more context around mdc that i'd like to say sure i mean i mean the record the record i brought in came out last year yeah so this is a new the record, record you brought in came out in uh, 1982 so yeah. yeah okay um new york based band's second album came out last year imperial triumphant we missed this mm, um and did. i knew nothing about this band but when i clicked on their account or their, their page on Apple Music, I scrolled just to see what I was getting myself in for. I scrolled down to see related artists and I saw the band Shrine, who I very much like on their related artists. Um, so I did expect... Shrine? Z-H-R-I-N-E? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, they released an album which has an obelisk on the front, right? 
something like that. Something like that, okay. Um, yeah, I vaguely know them. Yeah, I saw them that time I went to um, Iceland for that festival. They were fucking brilliant. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, so I did expect some sort of post-black metal madness. Yeah. But it's fair to say that even with that idea in my head, it, this is a fair bit more intense than that. Mm. Um, on their their uh, their band camp page, it says they are the sound of New York City from the top floor luxury to the rotten underground. Uh, Actually, you know what? I didn't know that, but yeah, fair. I mean, I've just been in New York for a week. So again, this is <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like I planned pick, it. We pick well. Um, I didn't plan it. But. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't notice anything quite like this happening when I was in New York. <laughs> I have to say. So how would you describe it to people, Steve? Because it is pretty indescribable, isn't it? It is a very, very intense record. Yes. I think there are de- definitely elements... Of black metal, more than elements of black metal. Mm. There is a base of black metal. Yep. This uh, is the, like the a, foundation is black metal. This is I a very say, gooey, dark, rich cake that we're about to take a bite of. Oh, yes. And the base element, the bottom, your sponge, if you like, your big fat sponge, is black metal. It's black it's forest, isn't it? Black forest metal. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I love black forest. It's probably my favorite cake. Yeah. And it's black metal, not really, like, I wouldn't have thought they were American. No, I like, was. There I, is a type of when someone says to me American black metal. Yep. My my head does a thing, much like the Pixies we were talking about. You say what the Pixies sound like, you get an idea in your head. Oh, yep. quite loud, quite. You get American black metal, you get any straight away. You go, okay, I know what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, this a, isn't really. It's a far, the the black metal elements or the black metal foundation, if you will, the sponge, uh, is very European black metal, isn't it? Yes. But I then, would say Swedish, if I was going to mm-hmm. be specific, mm-hmm. um, which I feel I should be. Um, and yeah, uh, so there's black metal um, and a very, you know, an, a surprising type of black metal. Yeah. Uh, super intense. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a vocalist and a pace to it, which borders on grindcore. At points, the mm-hmm. intensity of grindcore, the technicality of someone like sixth or mm-hmm. tech, like weird, difficult tech metal, and like um, odd time signatures, odd um, time signatures, uh, very very um, kind of sprawly technical guitar parts, mm-hmm. and parts being thrown at you in all sorts of different time signatures and them changing constantly and all that kind of thing and the thing on top of it all as well um at points trumpets and horns used in a way that i've not heard used i mean we talked about how original it was that behemoth the way in which they used that brass on the satanist which remains one of the kind of all-time great uses of brass sections in heavy music ever i think yep you know don't at me no do at me fuck it and um and there's something which is kind of sinister and warped and uh, epic in the way that Behemoth did that. And that's what they sound like. But it got, I mean, this this record has a lot of horns on it and, and, and obviously drew a lot of comparisons to the Satanist as a result. Um, but it's actually quite a lazy comparison, I think. That um, is a lazy, I think I wouldn't compare it. 
like in, in you know yeah so but the the only the only i mean they they're both have debatably black metal bands using horns but the manner in which it's used is totally different um i think so i discovered this band um because of roadburn uh right. they played roadburn this year um and uh, their 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 photo their photo intrigued me which is kind of rare um that i'm bothered by this kind of thing but um you know they're they're kind of masked and they have these kind of gold really beautiful ornate gold masks on and they're covered in robes and i was just like i mean whether this is gimmicky or not it's done very well so i clicked on them listened through i was like oh my god this band are fucking insane and i was determined to catch them unfortunately i mean roadburn have bands go on till i think something like three in the morning yeah and from what i recall imperial triumphant were on this year in the church i think at something like 1am and i was gone by then um uh, however, they are playing London. They're playing the Dome uh, in they? November, and I, I think we should go. I really, oh, mate, live. I would, this I would, would be love mental, to see this. I, yeah, this is great. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Mm. <laughs> it's been a bit much. Yeah, to, like, yeah, 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 Get yeah, yeah, yeah. a fucking Cult of Luna, Chelsea Wolf, Mike Patton's weird album. <laughs> this, yeah, and, and the oddest Pixies album of their entire fucking career. Yeah. Well, to get all that into holiday. like forty-eight hours has been. <laughs> quite the thing and when i put this on when like i say when i looked at it i was like oh for god's sake why <laughs> like why yeah it's, just... it's an eight track album over 55 minutes yeah and, it's yeah. long and it's uh warped and it is unusual and uh, i'm annoyed yeah it's a shame that we missed it last year because i always think that you know the famous thing that they say about extreme metal is that the parameters of it are very very small yeah this blows that out of the water but it's what you do within that small Mm. prism of Mm -hmm. what makes it extreme metal is the thing that makes it that whether it works or whether it's just another like you know six feet under or something Mm. like that and they are they are pushing it as fucking far as most people push it like this is really pushing it very far yeah well i think what i found exciting about listening to this band when i first heard them last year um the majority of black metal that i listened to uh are you gonna say it's formulaic uh, i wasn't gonna say formulaic but it is played sort of down the line on the beat it's very rare that you're kind of chuck counter rhythms into black metal or anything like that because you know it's blast beats it's you know i'm being incredibly general here you know but but as a generic form that's what it is and to hear um black metal delivered in the same um like rubber rubber band way elasticated way that dillinger do calculating infinity uh-huh. i mean this a lazy way to sum up this album is the satanist beats calculating infinity i think it is a lot more than that but if, if i if, mate i mean if someone most people who like heavy music yeah have just ordered this record exactly if but that's the thing if 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 i had to do just a one-liner to sell it it's calculating fin- infinity meets the satanist and that's not incorrect is it it's not and it, it no and it is I mean, is it? I'm not. Is it quite as good as? I don't think it's as good as either of them. 
but this is their second album i mean calculating infinity was their debut in all fairness but you know this is their second album and i've never heard black metal played with this much almost viscosity i don't know what i'm trying to get like it's, it's black metal's taut yes yes exactly. black metal is taut and it's kind of it's always you know the the purists will go black metal should be taut and it should be thin and it yeah. should be tinny it's and a it should target. be underproduced and, and the fact that it kind of was uh conceived as a reaction to scott burns and morris sound studio and, yeah. and death metal becoming far too produced and too like yeah 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 do you know what i mean and, and fat and thick and groovy and all that stuff and then so it's weird that all these years later you get a black metal band who are going, well, let's let's do exactly that. Yeah. Let's turn this into that. That's a, yeah, that is cool. Exactly. And even if they were just doing that with black metal, that would be cool. But the but fact they're doing it with like <laughs> fucking weird time signatures and trumpets and all kinds of other, yeah. you know, like you say, the, the, the technicality of a band like Dillinger or Converge or, yeah. you know, Drowning Man or whoever. Yeah. Like that's, this album's really good. It's very good. I mean, I, mean, I fucking. I obviously have work. have not given you enough time. No, or or, or holidays got in the way. Yeah, but okay. because I, I was excited about giving you this album because to me there are so many elements that are, I love that you love. Yeah, oh, definitely. And mate, I what I will say is I put it on, and I, I've I've listened to this once, and I was listening to it when you came mm. around. I got about halfway through. So I've not listened to it loads. It was really weird setting up. It was really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Very uncomfortable (laughs) setting up. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty weird. Um, And no words were said. (laughs) (laughs) We just did silence. (laughs) But I listened on the way back. But when I put it on, I was like, oh my God, fucking it. Like, it's clear instantly that this is like a maddening record oh, it's crazy yeah it's absolutely and i just I, I i feel like more people should know about them and it feels like you know i mean roadburn are just so brilliant at like discovering these acts about 10 years before anyone i mean the only they're, they're probably the best festival in the world at it in terms of like discovering these artists about 10 years before anyone else knows about them but like um they are one of the most impressive discoveries i've had from roadburn i think Mm. just in terms of like wow i've really i've heard all of these elements individually before but i've never heard all three of them squashed together in this way and performed in this way you know black metal as as performed by jello biafra almost yeah (laughs) yeah it's just fucking mental um and and yeah i and i really like being skeptical about a band when you see an image and then being won over you know, I really like, I think that's, and going, oh, actually, I think the image does add to this. Mm. I think it is kind of cool that you're all just like masked and no one really knows who you are and that this stuff is just bonkers, batshit. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an awesome record which more people should know about. And yeah, if the Satanist mix with Calculating Infinity sounds like something you want to listen to. Then, yeah, a lot of people, not a miles away. A lot so of people is, won't want to listen to that. Yeah, that's it's, uh <laughs> Final Luxury by Imperial Triumphant, which is what you gave me. I gave you, as I said, MDC, Millions of Dead Cops, the debut record from MDC, a.k.a. Millions of Dead Cops, recorded in 1982, re-released in 1988. Um, when yeah, we a bit of confusion, but there's, there's like a, there's like a, I listen, so the version I listened to was 14 tracks. Yeah, there's a massive version. There's, there's a, a version which is... 400 fucking... Yeah, yeah I, I was kind of like, 
I'm not going to go in on that yeah. version. Um, I mean, to be fair, even though it's about 60 tracks, it's still probably only about 40 minutes. Yeah. Because these songs, the, sure. the longest song on this album is two minutes and 14 seconds. Yeah, it is short. So um, I recently watched the, in part, very, very good, uh, John Varvotos and Iggy Pop produced Punk which came out on Sky Arts. Now, we'll probably talk about that more um, on another, if we ever do another movie stroke the documentary reviewing podcast, which we probably will do at some point. Um, it's got one of the best quotes from Ian Mackay I've ever heard oh, yeah. in my life in it, which oh, wow. I'll, we'll talk about another time. I want to see that. He's for that quote so alone. brilliant. But... Um, I watched it and, you know, there's it's obviously a very well-trodden path, the punk rock documentary. Yep. Um, there are some great ones. There are some not so great ones. Uh, this one, like I say, is good in parts. The first couple of episodes, the birth of American punk has been done to death. The UK scene has been done to death. When I started getting more interested in it was when they began to talk about the move away from Britain and punk dying, quote-unquote, in Britain. And the bad brains and black flag and all those bands coming in that's when i got quite interested in what that documentary had to say often as is always the sort of case in most of these documentaries new york hardcore washington dc hardcore and la hardcore and sometimes boston hardcore will be the uh the go-to places maybe san francisco when they talk about dead kennedys a little bit as well i mean that one actually did talk about dead kennedys quite extensively that documentary um there's a documentary that came out in called American Hardcore. It came out about 2005, 2006, mm -hmm. uh, which is very good. Um, it's probably the best documentary solely on that 79 to 88 period mm -hmm. of sort of American punk rock and has got everybody who was anybody um, from that scene involved in it. And... Um, I bought the soundtrack to uh, to that uh, that documentary before I'd actually even watched the film because okay. I was like, I really want to get into all of these bands who, you know, uh, I'm talking about a, a, a period in time where, you know, there was no streaming services. So you couldn't just go, I feel like listening to TSOL. Yeah. You've got to go and find it somehow. You've got to go and find it in the you shops. You probably have to buy it on import. You probably have to buy it on import because um, you're not getting it in our price in Basingstoke. No, and it will probably be a 14 song album, which is actually 20 minutes long yeah, 20 and it will cost you 20 quid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it didn't have So I bought, I bought that. And um, before I even saw the, the documentary, you knew nothing about MDC. You didn't even know they were called, it stood for Millions of Dead Cops. Um, although the the, song, although the, it's changed with each album cycle, I believe. So well, the, well I mean, yeah, they, um, after sort of, after this record came out, they, um, they didn't, they thought it was too abrasive to be called Millions of Dead Cops mm. and be that kind of in your face about it. I can so understand that. It's particularly when the police felt the way they felt about yeah. punk rock. Um, Eddie Vedder once said, always a good opportunity to bring in an Eddie Vedder quote, um, he, for a very short amount of time, around the Riot Act album, actually, um, he had uh, a mohawk and um, he shaved it off quite quickly and um, someone in Kerrang asked him, I think Paul Brannigan asked him why, and he was like, the thing is, is like, 
if I have a message to impart onto people, they're far less likely to listen to it if I have a mohawk than if mm. I have like if I look like normal Eddie Vedder. Mm. Unfortunately, it's true. Mm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> little Eddie Vedder story. Thrown no, because if you're called yeah, I know. Dead co- you know, yeah, there is a no, you're through right, line. You're right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Fucking they hell. gave a fuck about that. To be honest, but right, um, but the song I remember was on that compilation. Um, and most that? of that compilation, I mean, if you can dig it out, it's probably on Spotify, the American Hardcore original soundtrack. It's really, really great. Um, but the song I remember was on there and that actually stood out even amongst the Black Flags and the Minor Threats and, okay. you know, the, the 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 big, big, big hitters of that scene. Why did it stand out? Um, it was so discordant and... It was, I mean, even for, it had a weird, it had a weird thing, I thought, where it was, it sped up, because that song kind of, sp- it it speeds up and gets to the end. It's what, hold on, get up here for a second. Um, it's less than two minutes long, anyway, it's definitely less than two minutes long, but it had really great, like, bass line and hook and rhythm section. It had that, that kind of weird, kind of angular, really scrappy guitar, and it had a vocalist who you could hear every single word he was saying. Yeah. And his intonation's amazing. Yep. And who um was Dave Dichter. Dave Dichter. Well we'll talk about Dave Dichter in a second, who mm. was really super fucking pissed off. I mean everyone on that record is you know from that scene was pissed off. Yeah. But he sounded really pissed off. And I remember thinking fucking hell mdc i must remember that and then watching the documentary and it being that stands for millions of dead cops and they was from texas so i was like are they boston are they new york are they dc like what are they they're from texas now that, how often that threw me for for so i listened to the album first then did a little bit of research and just the first thing on wikipedia american hardcore punk band formed in 1978 from austin texas austin texas i was like what and now they didn't stay in texas for very long it must no. be said but obviously you grow up in texas it's gonna shape i mean it's so yeah it's bonkers just to hear something i assume at that time as well so liberal and left-leaning and, and so kind of yeah musically radical dave dicta was a vegan he was an animal rights and a um a a, a uh animal rights activist um a gay rights activist i mean talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time yeah i mean and and, and they moved to san francisco to make it like i mean i Mm. can't to be honest i've never been to texas or san francisco but from everything i know of those two places i cannot imagine more you imagine being polar opposites right yeah yeah Yeah. and in in the western world certainly yeah and utterly unrepentant for me i mean there's there's a great line in the movie american hardcore where they describe um i can't remember how they describe jello biafra but they say if jello biafra was such and such then um dave dicta dave dicta was a cross-dressing che guevara <laughs> and he used to go on stage in a dress in texas and right play oh stuff. fuck right wow. he was like um you know famously as well called out bad brains for their homophobia on um they did a tour oh, yeah yeah they did a tour uh I, I don't know how true this is i don't feel like i'm kind of shit stirring and stuff but apparently they he had a big falling out with bad brains because um 
I've forgotten which band it was, but one of the drummers or bassists is somebody in another band that were on tour with M, uh, with uh, MDC and Bad Brains at the time came out as gay and all Bad Brains found out he was gay and they were like, oh, 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 we were really funny around him. And Dave Dichter was like, fuck you, you homophobic pricks. Like properly called out Bad Brains, like to the point of near like fist fights. But and that's Bad Brains as well. Like the kings of like... Mm. The, the inventors of American hardcore, like the Godfathers, the biggest band, and he just like went at them for what he perceived to be poor behavior towards one of their sort of fellow touring musicians. So he is a man who is totally unrepentant for his opinions, totally, totally radical, um, and popped into, like you say, probably the most liberal place at the most liberal time. Ronald Reagan, USA, 1982 in texas wearing a dress singing punk rock that takes some serious fucking balls mm. like serious so and i also should say um he's got a book out um memoir memoirs from a damaged civilization and you should read that book if you again if you're interested in the kind of early days of um of of hardcore punk it's uh pretty good companion piece to i mean i don't know if any if you can even get like, i've never read um the black flag the, the get in the van get, get i've never read it because i can't fucking find it anywhere it's a bitch to find it's a yeah. bitch to find um but um our band could be your life like that's a, a good book which mm-hmm. is sort of quite a good companion piece to this so yeah if you get if you want a good book to read about this period of american punk rock the dave dictor book is really fucking good um but that's all the context for it. Importantly, or Renfrey, is it actually any good? What did you think? Well, I should preface this. I think long-term this is no one will know, but uh, early hardcore and this American brand of hardcore, which you love, mm-hmm. um, has always kind of gone over my head a little bit. Um I, that's kind of why I gave it to you to be honest right okay I wanted to give you what I thought was a very very good example of it okay um, <laughs> I get its significance I get its importance I'm very very grateful for it existing because they directly or indirectly inspired some of my favourite bands of all time mm-hmm. um, I, I mean I'll just say it right now there's nothing about this record which I feel is any different to any of those other kind of records but then but then hearing all of that background that you have just given oh, makes it section? sound yeah no not really You're i mean kidding it, me it's to me it all sounds you know matt freeman played from rancid played bass for two years okay i didn't yeah. but i mean it, it it all sounds like the same thing as all those other bands to be to be totally honest to me i was just like i don't i don't not enjoy it i don't massively enjoy it either <laughs> i think it's totally fine um yeah i didn't i didn't see anything in it i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't 100 sure why you've given this to me to be honest and musically i don't see anything different in it at all it's just so tell me what i'm missing well i just think it's so it's like i say i think the rhythm section are fucking brilliant I, I, that I, bass I think, yeah i think the rhythm section are fucking brilliant in loads of these bands yeah, but I think particularly okay. in this band, particularly in MDC, like mm-hmm. the rhythm section are amazing. And you get, uh, they almost sound professional, whereas the guitars 
are just fucking everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you get. I think what you got is a great rhythm section and a guitarist just losing his mind. The, the, uh, I, I would 100% agree with that. <laughs> I would also say that is a, a large part of what made a lot of those bands fucking excellent. Dave Dichter and um, the guitarist who is called, hold on. Oh, yeah, uh, Ron Posner, the guitarist. Um, he, I like they're super what they're what you like you know when you listen to a lot of these bands the drums stop and slow down and speed up and all that whereas in this you've got when they want to i mean i mentioned that song early on i, I just feel like they had an energy which was quite different to a lot of those other bands and dave dicta's lyrics are spite the very on the nose fuck. yeah like you know there's no you know there's not a lot of nuance in this wave of american hardcore Anyway, anyway, yeah. Anyway. But particularly, like, you know, the song John Wayne Was a Nazi yeah. got them in loads of trouble. Yes, like, that was considered a very, very offensive thing to say. Yeah. Um, and probably still is. Like, yeah. people who are Nazis don't like being called Nazis um, for some reason. Um, and I can't imagine... And John Wayne had died quite recently after this, I think. Right. Like, um, so you're like... I mean, I'm trying to think of... Who's an absolute, like, Jane British Goody. hero? Yeah, can you imagine uh, like Jay Goody was a shit like coming out six months after she died. Or thing is, is you know, Princess Diana. Like, imagine yeah, like after Princess, Princess Diana, Diana died, yeah. a punk band came out when Princess Diana was a slag or something like that. People would go, but can you imagine what the Daily Mail is? They go absolutely yeah. berserk. Yeah. So I just love, I just love the balls of this band. I just think in in a world full of very very aggressive sort of hyper hyper masculine and very angry young men that made up the scene of american hardcore in its early incarnation there are a few people that have got the same level of like fuck off i'll say whatever i want mm. than dave dicta and that comes across brilliantly on this record i think and it was actually um kurt Cobain did a list of his top 50 favourite records. Yeah. And this is in it. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. I mean, he did love a lot of not great stuff, though. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't... I mean, actually, to be honest, I'm not saying this is not great. I'm saying I have a tin ear for yeah, this era right. of hardcore. Yeah. Um, and my tin ear just kind of... It really does all sound very similar Hey, look, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, no, they sound really different to it. Because they don't, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this stuff sounds like what it sounds like. Yeah. I think the key to these bands and why, um, and, and how and why they stand the test of time is, is the personality big enough for you to sure. be interested in it? And in this case, I think it absolutely is. Well, what I will say is every all the background information that you've given me on it, most of which I didn't know. I knew bits and pieces of what you were saying, but I didn't know, you know, that he would regularly perform in a dress and stuff, which in Texas at the time must have been... I, he must have been beaten up a lot, Yeah, I imagine. You know, yeah. and fair play, that is... To, 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 to go out and have that happen to you night after night and... Uh, but still stick up for what you believe in, I think is fucking fantastic. Mm. But everything you said about them makes me want to read up more about the band and uh, Dave Dixer and their history 
I want to read a, a biography on them now. I don't particularly want... Get the book. Well, maybe I will, mm. but I'm not particularly bothered about ever going back to this record. All right, well, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. No, that's definitely yeah. not. Um, but I, it's I, fine. I, yeah. You know, if, if you yeah. like this, if you like this sort of thing. Oh, if you like I would, sort of I thing. would have thought if you like the sort of thing, you probably know them. Yeah, you will. So that's thought, the yeah. thing. But if you like the sort of thing and for whatever reason you well, haven't hey, heard look, it, listen, listen to it. <laughs> if you go, well, I've never really bothered with a lot of those early you know, if you've never bothered with Black Flag and Minor, minor Threat, minor threat and, you know, like Minor Threat are great and obviously Bad Brains are great. And, mm. you know, the ones that are good, and the ones that are big and the ones that you know about, they're the ones that you know about for a reason. Yeah. For, for In a lot of cases. But there are many, many gems from that period. Yeah. Many gems uh, that people don't talk about as much, particularly in, you know, the, the, the mainstream, if we count ourselves as a mainstream I suppose we have to really. Um, also, uh, John Wayne's a Nazi ended up on the Grand Theft Auto, so I guess they won in the end, didn't they? Oh, showed um, them. On do the you right. know which one? Uh, no, but one of them. Good research up to a point. Well, I just uh, love it. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think. I, 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 yeah, it, it sounds like a lot of records. <laughs> it <sounds laughs> it does, like yeah, but records. it's really good. Um, if you like that sort of thing, then you'll you'll lap it up and you'll you'll love it. I was sitting there listening to it, not knowing the background and stuff, but I was sitting there listening to it, going, "Why have you given me this record?" And at the end of the twenty minutes and twenty five seconds, I still didn't have a clue. Really, I just kind of assumed that for some reason you adore this band and I yeah, was curious I really like what this. it was. I really like it. Yeah. <sighs> Good. Good. That went down well. Um, <laughs> I, I don't hate brilliant. it. No, no, I, I don't, don't hate it. it. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> next week, Renfrey, what you got for me? Um, I think I'm going to, I want to give you some more Me Without You uh, right. because you liked that album last year, but mm -hmm. they were a band that you... Um, you, I think you thought they were something they were not. And then yeah. you heard the album and went, oh, okay, they're a great band. Um, I, I haven't got the full title in front of me because it's a really, 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 yeah. really long title. But it begins, um, it's all crazy, it's all false. Right, okay. In fact, Fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the full title for you whilst you tell me what mine is. Okay, well, I'm going to give you something... I don't know if we can do this, but I feel like we should maybe try and do it because I'm going to give you something which I'm almost certain that you've heard before, mm. but I'm giving it to you because it will be 25 and there's a special edition coming out of it, which I'm quite interested to talk about. You like R.E.M., obviously. Fucking love R.E.M. All of their albums? Certainly not all of their albums. The R.E.M. are... One of the bands that I don't spunk it. Just we talk this next week if we're going to do it. I mean, Go on, quickly. REM are one of the bands who who my absolute favorite REM album would be one of my favorite albums ever. The worst REM album is one of the worst records I've ever heard. How often do you listen to? When was the last time you listened to Monster? Oh, uh, six months ago. Oh bollocks! Well, we're not going to do that. I then. mean, we can do Monster because I fucking I, love it. Well, there's a special edition of it coming out. Is there? Oh yeah, there's a special edition coming old, out that's, that maybe we could just review when it comes out in in November. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to go down that route of reviewing. But it's got a whole like disc of unheard stuff. Why don't you give me the disc of unheard stuff when it comes out? Because I won't have heard that stuff. 
Well, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to have to do, isn't it? This all feels very off-mic conversation. But in the meantime, <laughs> I'm going to have to give you something else, and I haven't really thought about what that might be. It's all right. I mean, we can edit this. It's yeah, fine. all right. Fair enough. Um, oh, God, Renfrey, you've heard everything, haven't you now? I've heard everything. You've heard everything. Heard everything more. you could ever give me, frankly. Oh, actually, uh, yeah. The, the hip-hop uh, evolution continues Renfrey this is what I wanted to give you fucking ages ago Uh Um, I'm going to give you the album Plan B by Plan B you know Plan B don't you I I am aware of Plan B yes so Plan B lives no sorry I'm thinking he lives I'm thinking of Professor Green ignore me you're going to regret saying that (laughs) I'm going to give you Who Needs Actions When You Got Words the debut album by Plan B okay Doug yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can give me that way. And then we'll do um, mon- we will do monster. I think we should definitely do monster. When I'm, I'm well up for doing issue. something. On oh, yeah, big time! Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so next week um, I'm gonna have. I'm giving you me without you. It's it's all crazy. It's all false. It's all a dream. It's all right. And I'm giving you the debut album by Plan B. I've already forgotten what it's called. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Um, I don't know what we're reviewing next week. Uh, next week. It's pretty unlikely we're going to be reviewing it next week, to be totally honest, because I don't think we'll get sent it. But maybe the new Blink-182 album. Probably what? not. Oh, God, okay. We promised we'd do it. We promised we we'd did, do it yeah. at our live oh, show. God. Well, you shouldn't have promised, should you? You seemed enthusiastic about promising to do it. Oh, I didn't know it was actually going to come out. <laughs> I, thought someone we... would, I thought someone would put a stop to that. <laughs> Here we I are. thought someone would go, hold on, no, you've had enough. Off you go. Funnily enough, here we are a couple of months later <laughs> after the album was announced and it's and it's coming out. Pathetic. Um, All so, right, fine. So we might be doing Blink-182, but probably we not. We probably won't, to be honest. Car Bomb is out next year. week? Uh, I mean, we could do... So <laughs> September 27th, there are nine albums out that um, I would like us to cover. So mm. we're going to have to put some forward. I don't know which ones those will be, but I think we'll definitely do... Will be a surprise, won't it? Oh, Next week, we'll do Tires from Nebula and the number 12 looks like you. Do you know the number 12 looks like? Yeah, all the big ones, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, we can throw some big ones in there. We could put the Opeth album in there. I bet, I bet we end up doing bloody Blink 182. All right, fine. <laughs> we'll see you next week. We'll be reviewing Blink 182 and a load of other stuff as well. So tell your pop punk mates, come on over. You're welcome here. Honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As we shit on your band, your <laughs> yeah. favourite band. <laughs> tell them about the Green Day. How much Renfrey's looking forward to the Green Day tour? I, I, I am. It might be brilliant. Blink 182 are occasionally capable of excellence. <laughs> <laughs> Go over to musicism.net if you're fucking mark hoppers uh and get some courses to improve your bloody awful album that we're gonna slag off next week uh and you can get 25 percent off uh if you put right in the checkout and we shall see you next week bye bye